Hello, everyone, and welcome to Casual Obsession. It's the new year, 2024. Let's go. Podcast We're not doing we that yet. You're jumping the gun. <laughs> <laughs> We're Gavin Ghouls, Nina. <laughs> I don't want to Gav Ghouls without the introduction. We've never we done never an introduction, did the introduction before, before Gavin before Ghouls. The ghouls. You say that when the episode I was afraid starts. if I didn't do it now, you guys were, you said whenever I'm ready. I'm ready now. <laughs> well, you're supposed to start we're Gavin. Not, we're not ready. <laughs> All right. I see how it is. Control has it's been taken I'm away ready. from Nina. <laughs> Nina's microphone has been cut. No more Nina is here today. <laughs> no more Nina. All right. Whole chant. Come on. All the fans together now. No more Nina. This there works we really go. well okay. on podcast Nina. medium. Yeah, wherever you are listening <laughs> yeah, this to this, great. start chanting now <laughs> to yeah. show your displeasure we'll, with Nina. We'll hear you. We'll hear you. <laughs> Hashtag Nina is over party. But you know what's not over? Well, it is. It's 2023. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's over. And as we come into this 2024 I'd just like to talk about some of the movies that came out last year since we had our historic strike that blocked most of our conversation abilities about them. It's true. It did that. It did do that. So, uh, who saw movies? I, I saw movies. I've never I watched saw a some. movie in my life. Yeah. Everyone's already we, mad at me. Are we talking gonna... about, like, our favorite movie of the past year or just, like, movies in general? I think probably a little bit of a blend of both. Blend of both? A Blend few of, of your Blend favorite Blend movies of, of the year, perhaps. Just one or two. Or seven. I think I got one, two, three, twelve. Oh, it's at the top of my list. I didn't oh even have God. to do a whole bit about it. Twelve <laughs> movies from I the got, past year. I got several. Uh, it's in, it's counting Fall of House Usher, though. That's what a month. Oh, okay. So, it is one a month. That is one a month. It's one a month. That sounds like a pretty damn good year when you put it like that, right? I think so. And, yeah. A good movie that's like, you know, worth recommending every single month. Like that's that's a good pace. Well, let's mm-hmm. not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, I don't know oh. that Noah said all of them are worth recommending. Oh, that's true. Is that that's right, true. Noah? Are these your that favorite is true. movies, Noah? These are all of my favorite movies ah, that have ever existed. An exhaustive list. <laughs> I'm going to let Nina open first because we're we're expanding the rules a little bit. Yeah. Uh, to movies that were released technically on the film festival circuit last year but we saw them in theater this year the long-standing stance of this podcast has been theatrical release is real release if the movie has one mm-hmm. yeah like um, for dating the movie we'll we'll use yeah. the uh film fest release but when we're talking about when it was truly released in our heart or on shutter or you whatever keep saying if, it if like i that. saw it in the theater that's when it counts that's what Nina said. This is what all movie trailers in 2021 taught me, is it only really counts when it's in the theater. <laughs> That's true. Tom that Cruise is... told me that. Oh, God. He also told me to turn off the motion cast, smoothing on my TV. The cast of Dun- the Dungeons and Dragons movie told me that, and they looked really uncomfortable while they were doing it. <laughs> mm. The cast of House of Gucci seemed a little bit too enthusiastic, honestly. I'm worried about them. I am worried about them, too. They were all told that as soon as they said it, they didn't have to hang out with What's-His-Nuts anymore. So they were really excited. Jared Leto? That's the guy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, there are yeah there are a couple movies that got uh, theatrical releases in the, in the States this year uh, that were technically released in 2022. But uh, those two movies are pretty much my favorite movies, of the, especially horror movies of this year. Mm. So they get to be talked about now. Um, it, those movies are Skinamarink and Talk to Me. Hell yeah! Um, 
I really, really enjoy both of them for completely different reasons. Uh, Talk to Me is a really solid, like, classic, like, 20, it feels like like a 2020s like horror movie yeah, in a lot of ways. You just sub out the hand for a Ouija board and it's the new Ouija movie. Yeah, but it's yeah. good. It's actually yeah. good, yeah, um, that's the thing. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Sorry, Mike Flanagan. <laughs> he knew what he was it has, doing. It has a really fun kind of conversation to be had about like some pretty obvious like addiction metaphors um, and grief stuff. Uh, it has some effortless non-binary representation and some of my favorite that I saw in media this year. Um, and it also just has a really fun possession sequence and that you've definitely heard the song from because it went viral on TikTok for a good reason. It slaps and it plays really well with the scene. Uh, Skinnamarink, definitely different. Uh, I really liked it because I was tipsy in the theater when I saw it. Um, I was really invested and I think that it should live in my memory the way that I saw it the first time. I don't think I'm ever going to... I'm, I'm not going to watch it again for a long time. Uh, and then my favorite, but neither of this is my favorite movie of the year. My favorite movie of the year is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. But that's not a horror oh, movie. Right. So I can't talk about it more than just saying it was know. my the favorite. I don't know. The spot was super scary. He was. He and was. Daniel Pemberton's music always. absolutely killed to Fucking kind always. of drive that home. But yeah, not a horror movie, but do watch it. Uh, I'd like to point out Insidious the Red Door. Yeah. Uh, Dark Horse Contender for Good Movie of 2023. But Couldn't have predicted it. Um, no. And it's in my top 12, obviously, because, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's easily the best Insidious movie we've gotten in a long time. Um, some people have tried to tell me that Insidious the Last Key was like, okay. Was it? Uh, but Insidious 3 was so bad that I was ready to drop the entire franchise for the rest of my life. It really was. It and was not good. Insidious the Red Door has me kind of excited for it again. It was actually really pretty good. Uh, the nice thing about the franchise being as old as it is is when they brought back uh, Ty Simpkins to reprise his role, he's just naturally older, so we don't have to recast him as somebody new. Who is uh, that? He's the he's uh Patrick Wilson's kid in the first one who's possessed. Oh, okay. You may remember him from his great performance of lying on the bed uh comatose for about an hour and a half. Mm, he did real good with that. Mhm. But yeah, Insidious the Red Door was a lot of fun if we're being completely honest here. I didn't expect it to be good and it actually left me wanting a little bit more, which mm. I would never have expected. How about that? Do you know insidious the red doors rating on rotten tomatoes oh it's got to be and this is i think this is mm. critics rating sure you know i was gonna say i think i'm gonna say like in the 60s maybe low 70s 37 percent. that actually also makes a lot of sense Ooh. okay <laughs> All right. you're like nothing surprises me yeah it's this isn't one of those movies like where every now and then Jeff's like, yeah, this is a five star or yeah, I get why you think it's a one star. This totally. No, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's really good for an insidious movie. It's just, not, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, sure, sure. But it's your favorite I, movie of 2023. So true. Yeah. Uh, Side-eyeing Barbie, the movie that I saw four days after Insidious the Red Door. <laughs> Barbie might be my favorite of the year, if we're being completely honest. It I, was just a really fun time mm -hmm. and it was 
gorgeous to look at the entire time. It All the beautiful. fun, bright colors. It mm. was really good. Barbsidious was a crazy weekend. Barbsidious. Barbsidious. <laughs> Barbenheimer who? Actually, within a week, I saw Insidious Barbie Oppenheimer. That's what a crazy. Trio. Mm-hmm. I watched Barbie three times in theaters. Not me. That's awesome. I own it on Blu-ray now, though, so I'm going to watch it soon. Yeah. Wood. I still haven't seen it at all. I forgot Cocaine it's Bear on, came out this year. Cocaine it's Bear? on HBO Max. I, I did see that, yeah. Cocaine I didn't Bear. watch Cocaine Bear. I heard it, mixed Cocaine Bear things. is everything that you expect based fun. on the fact that it's called Cocaine Bear. If you saw a trailer, you saw the movie. And yeah. Yeah. this is one of those yeah, movies where that's a good thing, actually. Because it shouldn't have tried to be anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So that was Noah's. Whoa, that was only one from Noah. You did like five. So, I did uh, three. I would also <laughs> like to highlight. you did too. You said Barbie and Insidious. Well, I wasn't talking about Barbie. Saw X. Saw uh, X. Happy to say Saw is back and as good as ever. Uh, Not better. better than ever. According <laughs> as much to as you can good. say that. Critics, critics say it's better than par. ever. <laughs> Uh, the critical reception to Saw X is the best reception a Saw movie has gotten literally ever. Uh, I want to say it was it was actually in the 70s or 80s on Rotten Tomatoes when it came out. Oh. Um, unlike, oh, there was another movie that came out at like the same time that was tanking and Saw was up here like with actual decent critical reception. Not good, but decent. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, is giving it 80% right now, Saw X. Woo! Saw Sweep, let's go. Uh, Saw X is a very nice entry into the franchise. Very, very happy with it. They're making another one next year. We're back on a roll of (laughs) yearly Saw. We are so back. It's 2005 again. Let's go. Uh, I don't know. There's a a lot of good stuff this year, though. And a lot of middling stuff. Nina will uh, scoff and spit on The Last Voyage of the Demeter, and I think... And I will. 99%. You mean Oscar-nominated Last Voyage of the Demeter? Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. (laughs) No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm going to hold fast. Having a horror movie nominated for Best Makeup is good. I I don't care what movie it is. I'm very happy. The movie is like 60% good. Unfortunately, the 40% that's not good is sprinkled throughout and then about 20% at the end. Yeah. And that's the bummer. <laughs> yeah. It's it's fine. Stephen I, King said it scared the shit out of him. Stephen King's yeah. a big, fat, paid-off liar. Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> also, he said that, is giving it 49% currently. It's higher than Insidious the Red Door. Um, also, worth noting, Stephen King gave his big uh, promotion of Last Voyage of the Demeter during the writer's strike when everyone else was... Uh, shutting their mouth about it so kind of sucks buddy listen not to be rude scabby not to be rude to someone that i love but so did del toro yeah he did but yeah you know you know but it's you know what are you doing but del toro's just like oh my god (laughs) a new movie monster for me to be horny about finally and stephen king is just like pass on this one hello i do love del toro i'm not giving him a pass on this one it's kind of shitty the man does things that aren't good sometimes yeah, everyone does. Uh, but that that's all I got. That's all Noah's There's got. a lot of good movies this year. It's Yeah, that's yeah. not even talking about VHS 85. VHS 85 was really fun, too. VHS 85 was fun as hell. Um, I can go next. Okay. Let's do to it. To highlight a few movies, one of which was probably my favorite movie of the last year, which I can't definitively say because sure. I mm-hmm. forget... I don't have a letterbox or anything, so I don't really right. track what movies I watch. I have one, and um, I don't use it, so same problem. Yeah. I'm looking so over Noah's shoulder, so. I googled, like, 
horror movies 2023 and just was looking through a list and being like which (laughs) of these did i watch um so i just want to i want to shout out yeah one movie well two movies but the first movie um i think recently i've really just learned how much i enjoy like found footage horror done Mm. well yeah Mm -hmm. and i've mentioned this on the podcast before but Hell House LLC Origins that came out on Shutter in like October mm-hmm. is really well done and I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And if you like good found footage horror, you should check it out. Um, it's definitely in the weekend. The Hell House series has had a couple of like misses for its sequels, but this one kind of is bringing it back on track um, to what the first one was and like the quality and everything. There's some I love the first one. There's some cool spoopy parts and I had a lot of fun with it. And I think like the more I've sat with it, the more I've enjoyed it over time. Uh, And I would like to rewatch it again sometime soon. My second shout out podcast viewing in the future, near future even perhaps we haven't talked about that. So I don't know. (laughs) Perhaps is the true answer. (laughs) Uh, The other movie I want to shout out. Is this a good movie? Maybe not. Um, It's up in the air. It's very subjective. But coming off of the tale of the amazing horror year that was 2022 uh, into the slow month of January, where normally we get just a lot of misses and like not a lot of very good movies coming out, we got a, a gem shining underneath the sand that was Megan absolutely and megan started the year off right for us horror fans of just being really silly fun memeable time and i love it for that she was everything she could have been absolutely it's very entertaining it's very silly what more could you want sequels Um, that's what yeah we're getting one apparently and i'm happy at least and i'm very excited but my favorite horror movie of the year and one that Noah, I think, still needs to watch is When Evil Lurks. Fuck um, yes. yeah, yeah. Fuck it's just yes. so, it's so good. And there's there's some criticism online about the movie because the main characters are a bit dumb, which they definitely are. I mean, yeah. But but <laughs> it's just, it's so good. And the concept is really good. And it's a really... It grips you. It grips you. And I loved it. All right. And Jeff. Yeah, When Jeffy. Evil Lurks is a very solid movie. Also, uh, jumping back and seconding Skinamarink because, hot damn, I didn't see it in theaters, but when I watched it at home in the dark, it was the scariest movie I had ever seen. And I cannot discount that. I fucking loved it. Um, yep. I had no desire to watch it at home in the dark because... Even in the theater, which was not an ideal experience, yeah. I had a bad time. Yeah, it's it's intense. It's a lot of what it is. Um, now, here's my question. Did you take any breaks during watching it? Because that's what I would be tempted to do, I think. I tried to take my watching of the movie very, very seriously. So I like shut off all of my lights and I made sure to stay at least very sober. Um and i like really focused and didn't take breaks in the middle of it or anything and well except for at the point where i had to pause it because i got jump scared by a noise in my actual kitchen Mm -hmm. um 
So other than that, though, I watched it just all the way through, didn't give myself a break. And hot damn, it was an intense experience. Yeah. Yeah. I still Um, haven't seen it. So maybe I'll watch it in complete darkness with no distractions and let you all know how it goes. I think that is the right way to do it, personally. Godspeed. Um, So... Megan has me thinking about other movies that I can't wait to see a sequel from, potentially. Uh, the Pope's Exorcist. Oh, is, oh my God, that's another one oh I missed. My God. Tell you what, that movie is stupid as shit, and I want more. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's just, you know, should it's not I, like should scary I actually or anything, watch it, fun. though? Well, I mean, do you want to watch something that's fun and stupid? It's Maybe. not going to be scary. It's, you know, yeah. it's just exorcism comedy, you know? Do you want to watch Ruffle, Russell Crowe on a Vespa? You want to watch Russell Crowe just being that's, a real silly that's boy? That's selling it. That's selling it. Yeah. I, that's the only thing I've seen from the movie is the still of him on a Vespa. If that's enough to have you interested, you're going to like the movie. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I swear a full half of the movie is just him being funny. Like, just being a silly priest. Anyways, though, I'm not talking too much about the Pope's Exorcist. Um... Uh, worth re-emphasizing when Evil Lurks loved it. Um, did any of you guys watch The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster? It's on Shudder? Nope. Mm-mm. No, I haven't even heard it. of it. Really? Oh my god, I thought yeah. you would have been all over this thing. Okay. Um, it is a Frankenstein adaptation, obviously, from the uh, from the title. I don't want to say too much, necessarily. I, I think it's real good. It's obviously kind of low budget, but the ways that it shows up is kind of in ways that I don't mind a low budget showing up. Of course, that's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty tolerant to that kind of thing, generally speaking. But like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I like it a lot. I highly recommend it. It's uh, pretty decently rated on Shutter. It's a tight hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. Um, another movie, and this is the one actually that I'm bending the rule for a little bit, because this one hit film festivals in 2022 and just didn't get wide released until 2023. Um, it hit Shudder on like on Mother's Day, I think. It's called Huesera the Bone Woman. It is a uh, what Mexican? Mm, I've heard that's Peruvian really good. Movie. It's oh my god, it is so good. I if when I were I... to pick a favorite from the year, it's like between this and Infinity Pool, probably. Mm-hmm. When I looked up my li- like a list of 2023 movies mm-hmm. on. Rotten Tomatoes, it had, like, the best, like, horror movies of the year ranked. Yeah. And that was number two. And I was like, oh, I should look that up, because it was right below When Evil Lurks. And I was what like, was I love that of... one. Oh, it's, they had When Evil Lurks listed as the, the best one. Number one. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's that's a top two that I would not have placed myself, but I can get behind it for sure. If I were to pick which I like better, I think I like The Bone Woman better than When Evil Lurks, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, really liked it though. Uh, I think it's a really good story and it's the first project of the director and co-writer. Oh yeah. It was like her, her first like movie that she's directed and stuff. And I am really looking forward to seeing more from her because I, I think this movie is something that's actually like kind of something special. Actually, it's got some, some nice, uh, nice body horror in it and such uh done in ways that like i i feel like you don't normally see body horror getting done like i don't know it's just real good and it's about um fear of parenthood which i personally kind of connect with so yeah just very very good movie can't say i am about definitely it. gonna change check it out then yeah 
Nice. Uh, trying to think if there's something else that I managed to forget. Uh, I did just mention Infinity Pool. Uh, that's obviously one of my favorite movies of the year. I fucking loved it when I saw it. I think it's on Hulu right now, so easy to find. It's another director I'm looking forward to the next thing from. Mm-hmm. I want more of that Brandon Cronenberg. Actually, just in the spirit of uh, uh, expanding our scope mm, yeah. really quick. Um. The 2020s are an insane decade for horror so far. Honestly. I cannot, because like I didn't start actually properly logging my movies on Shudder until like 2021, like late into it. Right. So I don't have a lot of this other stuff that I was logging by putting it onto a list because I'm an idiot. (laughs) I didn't know how to do it right. There's a lot of really good shit released in the last three years so far. Yeah. There's good stuff coming. I mean. You know, devastating. We lost Scream. Uh, really bummed about that. There's worse things. Because, uh, well, yeah, yeah, but the the remakes were really enjoyable. Right, I know it's and easier I was for really me to enjoying say that because I haven't watched those yet. But, like, due to the reason that we've lost yeah. it, um, exactly. I think we're better off yeah. not having it, you know? I'd rather, yeah, no. We I, are better off not I, having it, but I'm still sad. Yeah. We're sad that we're missing what Jenna Ortega and um melissa barrera would have been adding oh, totally. like i'm missing i i was like morning scream the moment that we lost them mm-hmm. yeah. um, the fact that the movie died was kind of just the inevitable but yeah. uh yeah i'm i'm sad we're not getting more of those two characters especially sam i fucking loved sam as a character yeah mm-hmm. i loved watching her lose her shit uh, so I'm sad we won't get more of her, but other than that, uh, there are a lot of really interesting movies I'm looking forward to. We got Maxine coming out. Oh, oh Maxine. Shit, yeah. Uh. Yeah, Maxine is coming. Like I said, a new Saw movie's coming. Everyone is also as excited about this as me. I, I will <laughs> be more excited about this one than I have been for the last two you made me see I in just theaters. haven't caught up yet. I gotta, I gotta get there. <laughs> uh, Talk to Me's getting a sequel and a prequel. I am cautiously neutral. (laughs) Uh, The prequel is shot, I I believe it is shot on iPhone. The, uh, basically it's just the opening of the first movie, but expanded into a movie. Like that style thing. It's going to be a shaky cam found footage. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I want that so bad, actually. You know what? I trust these particular people to do that well. Yeah. Right? Weren't they YouTubers before? Yeah. They were. Yeah. 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 I wish. That's their world. I'm excited for more from them. I'm excited that their debut movie had so much success and that they're getting to do more. I wish they got to get away from this idea and do like other things. But like signing them up for like a prequel and a sequel. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm like, like, uh, one thing is good. Is the thing. Yeah. They actually had it prepped already. Yeah. And with the success of the new movie, they were like, hey, what about this stuff too? So it, at least that's a lot they had a hand concerning. in requesting more of it. Yeah, that's good. Um, if tradition stands up, uh, we're getting a new VHS movie soon, right? Uh, potentially. Uh, in 2024, I guess I should clarify. We should be getting a new VHS soon. <laughs> I started so. watching one of the other VHSs um, a couple months back, <laughs> and I was like not enjoying it oh no i was hating it was it 94 99 well so i googled it and i was like maybe this is just like one of the bad ones and i just gotta get through it yeah and then unilaterally people were like this is the best one and i was like fuck and you were hating it if i was hating it if it was 94 that's devastating news i stopped 
in the middle of like a zombie outbreak like oh it was video. two it was two no that would have been that's not the best that, one with the the camera on the bike helmet that yeah one? yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that, okay. i do not agree yeah, that's, that that's not the best okay, one so that, no, that's... it was <laughs> the best okay, one before the new ones came out that was the best one well yeah because vhs okay. viral is um, just dog shit and <laughs> yeah and that's that so like, by comparison two looks great uh vhs 94 stands head and shoulders above no every other vhs no movie competition <laughs> I whatsoever really like 99 and 80 85 but yes. they're both fine 94 was but 94 favorite. is 94 has mabel 94 is special 99, 99 has, mabel. has mabel 90 who did 94 have 94 doesn't have yeah 94 has rap yeah. oh okay yeah no 94 and uh the the frankenstein doctor that's yes, right okay. i saw them all pretty close together yeah yeah they they all kind of run together if you watch them all at once that's my problem with the first three actually <laughs> <laughs> okay that's enough speculating about what might come out next year. I suppose. I'm just saying we're th- we're back in the uh, the 70s 80s golden era. We're kind of in that stride right now. Is honestly, all I'm saying. Honestly, um, COVID was actually really good for horror because it had a lot of people doing really stripped down and really focused things. Well, and once mm-hmm. everyone and was able to do bigger productions again. They they were like hitting it with like the big shit too like exactly and I'm so happy we have not seen a single pandemic horror movie come out of this that had any real traction yet. Emma's making a face. Did I forget a movie? Uh, Did I no, very... no. Are... I'm, I was okay. just looking up movies coming out next year, and oh, we shit. haven't mentioned a huge one. Oh. I did mention Saw year. Eleven. No, <laughs> no not Saw Eleven coming out next year. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Oh, oh God. Two? <laughs> I thought the first one was so bad that they, like, gave up the joke. No. No, the director who <laughs> made it, didn't. his whole thing is just going around making fast, shitty, cheap horror movies out of just whatever he's allowed to. Yeah, so maybe Blood like and Honey 2 is actually going to be okay. Eh, I mean, because I, I didn't watch the first one. I'm not going to watch not a fast, shitty cash grab. Oh, God, that's crazy that he would go out and do it again what's mm-hmm. stopping it? Yeah. <laughs> not the law <laughs> yeah like ah. oh we've got a new alien movie as well oh boy interesting <laughs> and terrifier 3 and nosferatu there's nosferatu, a lot of that's that's the one i'm excited about right nosferatu. oh i want to watch eggers nosferatu yeah i'll do that so yeah when we had a good three years already next year's looking really good yeah we're back we have a a new golden age dawning and everyone always says you don't know when the good times were till they're gone you know now this yeah. is the good times appreciate mm-hmm. them and catch it in theaters while you can honestly if you're able because holy shit some of this stuff is really really good also just lo- low budget shit you can stretch a budget pretty damn far now that a camera is more affordable than it ever used to be oh yeah low budget oh, shit yeah. is having an absolute ball right now if you're willing to just look past a little bit every now and then mm-hmm. tell you what the amount of really really good um small production stuff that comes out on shutter just like constantly yeah did I? I don't remember. Did I talk about bad things when I watched that on here? I think you did. It's it's the the movie that's kind of um it's shooting for like lesbian The Shining. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, and it's uh full disclosure, it misses the mark. It's not one of my favorite movies of the year or anything. But like, I am glad that I watched it, and I am glad that it exists. 
I don't know if Jeff talked about it on the podcast or if you and I talked about my friend's review of it that she posted on Patreon. Mm, okay. I remember disagreeing with your friend. Okay. Mm. It was a bad take. You'll have to take that. <laughs> it was not a bad take. It was literally pretty much what Jeff said. Well, I mean, oh. yeah. It had an awful lot in it that I liked. It, had, it did a good job with its atmosphere and everything. And, you know, like... I don't have like major complaints. It just didn't quite hit for me, you know. She had some major complaints, but I won't. I will not paraphrase her. Sure. Um, without the review in front of me. Maybe yeah. I agreed with her. I don't remember. <laughs> I should stop slandering anyone until I get my facts in order. Um, <laughs> this is my yeah. official. Where's my ukulele? I need to make my apology. Oh yeah. <laughs> you have a ukulele. No. It's only for apologies. <laughs> I'm an adult. I have a guitar. <laughs> All, right. All right. Are we ready? Are we ready? Whenever you're Whenever also a new you're... Silent Hill movie, Noah, that one's for oh, you. Oh, finally. Oh, good. Finally. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, great. Maybe if we try really hard, we can get them to start making Resident Evil movies again. Just for you. <laughs> they, they had one come They've, out recently. I was going to say one came out in like 2022. Wow. And I completely missed it. Incredible. What a time to be alive. <laughs> It's just like the old days when you were completely missing the other yeah, ones. Yeah, it's just like out. all the other Resident Evil shit that I've just completely missed. Blissfully ignorant the whole time. All right, Nina, take it away. Sorry, Edge sent me a picture of a puppy. Or sent the group shot a picture of a puppy. Okay. Hello, everyone. And for real this time, welcome to Casual Obsession, the horror movie podcast where we talk about horror movies. I am your host, Nina. I am your host, Noah. I am your host, Spartacus. I mean, Jeff. <laughs> and I'm Emma. Here. Hi, Emma. Hi. Uh, this week, we are talking about Cabin in the Woods from 2011. Uh, it's a movie. It's very it's very good. I, I make it sound like I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, when it's you a very say it's movie. a movie, that makes it sound like it's shit or something. No, I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it's a uh, movie. Like, it is a movie. <laughs> Cabin in the Woods is a horror comedy. It's a broad kind of overarching um, commentary on the genre of of horror, specifically of like slashers. Cabin a scream esque satire. Is that uh, who said that? A lot of people. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know that I would agree with that, but we can talk about that later. I was gonna, I was uh, gonna say some things about that later. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah it follows your typical kind of uh plot you got five teens they're going to a cabin in the woods whoa like from the whoa. title holy shit <laughs> like from the title oh my god oh it's my just god. like evil dead the first one it, it looks or like evil it's dead, the same the 2013 one. <laughs> yeah yo evil dead it's rise all... we forgot to talk about that one as well that was a good oh, one. shit we That's all liked one. evil dead it rise really a lot <laughs> anyways um Anyway, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, yeah, that's that's about what I can say about the movie without kind of going off the rails on on what actually happens. Really? So we'll we'll stick with that for now. Uh, Noah, what did people think about this movie in 2011? It's time for my ever expanding section, the critical reception. Ooh, how's uh, I would expanding? like to before we. Uh, because I keep just adding bigger sections to it. Cool. It's, Good. It, you know, it used to just me be reading ratings. That's true. Uh, yeah. Then I added Twitter Brandon, who has nothing to say this week. And Ebert. And then I added Ebert. And then uh, I started just like cutting sections out of his review. Uh, but then I realized, hey, Noah, 
it's really shitty of you to talk about his review and reference his review and not leave it in a spot where our listeners can view the review. <laughs> so uh, from I thought here that on was, out, I thought that was always because for Twitter, Brandon, at least, we were like, we don't want him well, for, to become aware. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For Twitter, Twitter Brandon, Brandon can never know. We've got Twitter to Brandon, it was an intentional uh, slight that I was not linking back to his body of work. Ebert but, is dead. Uh, well, that is true. <laughs> firstly, rude. Secondly, just because the man's dead doesn't mean that his like institution is no, not No, I'm just alive. saying he won't find us no, so we can no, share his work. I was not sharing the links because I wasn't thinking about it, but like, I feel like in the spirit of H-Bomb Guy's uh, giant plagiarism video, I would like to cite my sources in the comment section now. Uh, so now in the okay. uh, body of the reviews, you will be able to get a link back to any any shit that I reference in this section. A random letterboxed guy, Ebert, whichever one it is, I'm going to have it linked in the comments so that uh, I am now above reproach. Nice. 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 Love being above reproach. I know, me too. So for our uh, first anyway, ever Ebert. above reproach critical reception segment. <laughs> uh, it's an Ebert, actually. Hell Ebert yeah. himself. All right. Three out of four from Mr. Roger Yo. Ebert. Uh, another ominous gas station owner. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to see this one coming. You might think you do because the TV ads uh. and shots at the, or at the top reveal what looks like the big surprise. And it certainly comes as a surprise to the characters, but let's just say there's a lot more to it than that. It will seem that I'm revealing a secret by mentioning this is no ordinary cabin in the woods, but actually a set for a diabolical scientific experiment. Uh, the scheme is to offer five guinea pigs a series of choices which will reveal something. Uh, I'm not sure precisely what. There's some possibility that the expensive experiment... Ex expensive? That this expensive experiment is involved with national security, and we get scenes showing similar victims in scenarios around the world. Now, in your standard horror film, that would be enough. OMG, this cabin is being controlled by a secret underground laboratory. <laughs> Believe me, that's only the beginning. That's what I mean when you guys say you don't see the end coming. Now, this is not a perfect movie. It's so ragged, it's practically constructed of loose ends, but it's exciting because it ventures so far off the map. One imagines the filmmakers chortling with glee as they devise first one bizarre development, then another in a free-for-all of their imaginations. They probably were They short, establish right? rules only to violate them. It's a good review. It is a good um, review. I would definitely recommend checking out the whole thing. Um, Sounds like a good review. Yeah. yeah nice. Absolutely. What about the other sites? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the general ratings, which I steamrollered right past because I was so excited about the Ebert. Uh, IMDb with a 7 out of 10 okay. rotten tomatoes with a 92 percent highest rotten tomatoes score we've had on the episodes in a while uh metacritic like with a 72 percent no no i've been saying very similar to the last one or something like that okay. we haven't mm -hmm. hit a 90 in a long time yeah uh letterbox with a 3.4 most of the rest of these numbers are very comparable to black christmas except for rotten tomatoes because rotten tomatoes didn't like black christmas right but Black Christmas is old enough that it predates Rotten Tomatoes, so it gets the uh, the bump down slasher fatigue mm. numbers, I believe, when mm -hmm. it was the originator of it. So, yeah. you know, whatever. But yeah, um, there is our critical reception. Cool. Nice. Generally well-regarded movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think about the movie, though? Well, I 
as a critic myself, generally well regard the movie. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I popped open Letterboxd just to rate the movie and uh, log it because I like to do that so I remember what movies I've seen. <laughs> and not Spawn. And I had already <laughs> rated it 8 out of 10. And I maintain that 8 out of 10. I think this is... It's just a fun movie. It's a good movie. Um, it is better on a rewatch than I remember it being last time. I've seen this movie probably like five times. Mm-hmm. And last time I remember being a little sick of it. And then I watched it this time. I'm like, this movie rocks. So Yeah. Nice. That's fun. Oh, what about you, Emma? What do you well, think of the movie? I've mentioned this in our podcast recordings before. But this was one of the early horror movies that I saw. Mm-hmm. And you all laughed at me because you were like, this isn't really horror. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I considered it horror. And since we're talking about it on the podcast, sucks to suck, it is horror. <laughs> um, so true. So true, actually. Damn. You know you what? Us that way. In hindsight, the hallway is painted with blood. I don't know exactly how I can sit here and not at least say it's adjacent. Yeah. Because yeah. the movie's painted with blood. Well, it is like PG-13, yeah. though, isn't it? So are a well, lot of good I, movies. Well, I mean, Isn't yeah, but R? it's like, oh, it is R. What the fuck? There's oh, get Dunk Dungeon. Showed me. Um, yeah, so I, when this movie came out, my oldest brother, Corey, was like, hey, you need to watch this because he saw it at midnight and had a lot of fun with it. And I was like, I looked up a trailer and I was like, it looks really scary because the trailers didn't show any of like the other side right. mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, it only showed the cabin side. And so I was like, I don't really do horror, uh, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, no, it's not that bad. Just go watch it. And so I did, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and funny enough, because I had to watch it again for this podcast, um, I have some streamer friends that I've been trying to get them to watch more horror movies because they play horror video games a lot they'll play like phasmophobia and lethal company and like um mortuary assistant and like various other horror games but they're like no horror movies are too scary and i'm like if you can handle these games i promise you you can handle most horror movies yeah and they're like oh i don't know i don't know and so For a long time, there was this pool between me and another community member where I would be like, let me put together a list of movies for you. We can watch some movies together. Uh, I'll be very careful and we'll just like slowly like ease you into the horror genre to show you it's not as scary as you think it is. Um, Playing Mortuary Assistant is probably scarier than watching most movies. Absolutely. And so... I was like giving these suggestion suggestions, Cabin in the Woods being one of them. Uh, whereas this other community member was like, no, watch the green room and like audition and all of these other like movies. The green room is really wait, 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 wait. <laughs> but like Are we thinking of the same green room here? The like Anton Yelkin and uh, Patrick Stewart with all the Nazis. That one, yeah, yeah. Where Patrick Stewart says the N word with the hard R like four he times. He says it a bunch of times. Yeah, 
Yeah, I was going to go recommending that one willy nilly. Not one to go like throwing out to people. No, I kept I kept having to message these people. I was like, do not listen to this other person. These are not good recommendations. Like I I haven't seen audition, but it's not even like a good intro to Japanese horror, right? Like, yeah, I have walked back my take on it being bad uh, because it's. I think it is good, but holy shit. It is not fun to watch if you're yeah. going in totally blind. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. What you need to do to ease people into horror is, like Emma was saying, is like give someone a pretty standard story structure and add some horror to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. The thing about Audition specifically is partially because it's J-horror and partially because it's an art film, it doesn't have a standard story structure to it at all. Like, not at all, but it doesn't have one that's, like, easy to follow. So you're not only dealing with all this, like, weird body horror, but you're also dealing with a non-standard story structure. Yeah, from what I always Mm -hmm. hear, Takashi Miike's work in general is something that you have to kind of, like, just be ready on the way into. Yeah. Uh, I think he also did uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man. No, that's Shinya Tsukamoto. Okay. I know that his name has been dropped around for a lot of, oh, um, Ichi the Killer. That's the one I was thinking. Oh, I've heard Ichi the Killer's really good. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I was constantly like, listen to my movie recommendations, right, not this yeah. other person. But Watch the other the person got banned from the community. Oh, no. So, oh, wow. So now I, it's just me. And I was able to convince them. I was like, hey, I've got to watch Cabin in the Woods again for my podcast. Uh, do we want to make a movie night of it? And so we did. Uh, parentheses. And... Remember, I'm not banned for being a dirt. <laughs> <laughs> dirt so we dirt, watched whatever. Cabin in the Woods Thursday night with the streamers and uh, the community and it went really well and they really enjoyed it and they nice. were like that they're like there were scares in there but they were not nearly as bad as i thought they were going to be yeah. and yada 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 and i was like yes and the fact that there's like a lot of comedy helps but Absolutely. i was like as far as the horror mm-hmm. goes if you can handle like the horror that was being shown and like the horror side of the movie you can handle a lot of horror movies yeah um very comfortably yeah right um and so they're like okay let's like watch some more horror movies and i'm like yes i'm in (laughs) but cabin in the woods for me is just such a fun time and while watching it again recently i just thought about it in the context of like horror history Mm. and like what i think it helped do for the genre Um, oh yeah and it's just so good and i enjoy it a lot so I think I'm going to give it like a nine. I respect that. I think super. that's a super fair, super, super fair rating. Um, but Nina, what about okay. you? Yeah. Um, Unless you're invoking so, host privilege to go last. No, I, I actually want to bounce off something that Emma had said oh. about viewing it in the context of like horror, horror movie history. Hmm. I think this movie, um, I read, I don't know where I read some critique of it that was talking about how... I think it was I was on Tumblr. Someone was talking about how it's kind of too steeped in the politics of um, like a lot of these horror movies saying that sex is bad. This movie came out in 2011. The review the person who posted is to is like from recently. Oh, and I'm like, look, yeah, context. You this movie's this movie's like satire is posed at the movies coming out in the 2010s and well, the like 2000s, up in, but... up to the 2000s, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that it is really poignant for that. I think it's really funny. I'll, we'll talk about that later, actually. Um, I think that it just, yeah, it absolutely, for the context it is in, I think all of it um, 
hits pretty darn solidly. Um, mm. So I think I, like for the tropes and things that it was kind of like poking fun at and like pointing out, I remember like huge conversations happening like on the internet and in media about like these tropes and how they've been around forever. And I think like Cabin in the Woods probably has a pretty important step potentially of developing the more intellectual horror that's developed yes. since the, like the mid aughts. I absolutely agree. I think that's part of, a big part of that like greater conversation. I think something that's kind of funny um, and I'm by no means giving him props. Uh, in in the 2010s and the 2000s, Joss Whedon's brand of feminism mm-hmm. was a legitimate brand of feminism. We have come very far since then. Yeah. But the have a female character who secretly has a personality thing was like huge, especially in like certain genres. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I cannot watch now because yeah. of how cringy a lot of especially that like feminist like Buffy's a girl who can kick ass kind of stuff especially in the <laughs> earlier seasons I cannot get past it I tried to re- rewatch Firefly I was like wow I used to think these girl characters were super deep and unique and now I can see all of Whedon's like personal ickiness yeah. kind of throughout these characters that I used to love but at the time I really really thought those things were important and that's because at the time I think they kind of were. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of people like media we've watched that is older than this um, on this podcast that is much deeper, has a lot more going on. Um, I don't think Whedon was like super special or anything, but to this like big kind of pop culture that like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Avengers 2012 are, um, and the cult classic that like firefly is i think there is something to be said for what he was like what was attempting to be done with those characters and the fact that it kind of succeeded and at least made people think hey we should have more girl characters that do things Mm -hmm. um in a lot of ways um so watching this movie i had a couple times where i was like "Ooh, that's a whedon line and "Ooh, i didn't hate it um (laughs) you do know the backstory of this movie right uh, I don't Featuring know Featuring do. Joss Whedon. <laughs> I know that J- Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard both worked on Buffy. And yes. I know that Drew Goddard also was a writer on Lost, which sh- like I can tell now that I've seen Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I don't know the specific backstory. So basically, um, 20, early like 2010, 11, 12 and all that, Joss Whedon was heavily involved in Marvel and also his stock was like sky high. And so he was very desirable and involved in a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. Um, But him and Drew Goddard got together one weekend and basically in a cabin, they wrote this movie and Um. Joss was like, okay, here you go. This is as far as I remember the story. Um, Jeff made the movie started production in late 2008, actually. Okay. But I know Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard basically wrote this movie together or like came up with the idea and everything. And then Josh, Joss handed it over to Drew to like make. 
Um, so that's why mm-hmm. you see a line and you're like, oh, that's very Whedon. Oh, yeah, because it is. Because <laughs> it is. But it that got written in a weekend. Like, if, as that movies that got why written I over was... a single weekend go, it's like a really good one, but it does feel like a one weekend movie. I do, mm-hmm. do want to put it out there. I did know Joss Whedon wrote this movie. Okay. Um, I when I was that's why I brought him up at all. Yeah. I thought that was got that it, was context it. for why I was bringing him up. Um, yeah, sorry. No, that's that's why I bring him up is because this is um, I could recognize a lot of not just his dialogue but also the way that he writes women in this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because even when he is pointing out that these women have greater outside lives, when when this movie points out not just Whedon, I guess that these women have greater outside lives, it's a lot of. Um, sex positive but in a very specific whedon way yes. that he does mm. a lot so um that was something that i picked up on it uh that i used to just kind of view as a quirky whedonism and now i'm like oh yeah he does that a lot um yeah. but that's all to say um i think that my going into this i was afraid that how i view whedon now because he is not a great person yeah. and what he kind of wrote about women kind of colored my perception of how to write female characters for a long time and it took me a lot of work to break out of that um i have kind of got this back like kind of hindsight perception that was confirmed by trying to watch buffy and firefly recently that i don't like his work at all anymore so i was kind of worried going into this because i remembered this being a fairly weedony movie that i was like not going to like it anymore Mm -hmm. uh and i was wrong uh, I'm, I still like this movie a lot. Uh, I think that viewing it with the context and what it was able to kind of say about what movies were like at that time is important. And I think, uh, it's an eight out of 10 for me. Nice. Hell yeah. Jeff's turn. Let's go, Jeff. What do you Let's think? Let's go, Jeff. Jeff, what, do, whenever you're ready, what, what do you think? Um, whenever you're ready. So here's the thing. <laughs> Noah mentioned early on in his review here that the last time that he'd watched this movie he was kind of tired of it but this time it was like all good again um oh no i'm currently on a watch where i'm tired of it Uh, (laughs) i there is a lot in this movie to like there is a lot that i do like and i'm going to do my utmost to be as positive as i can for the rest of the episode that's going to mean me being really negative right now (laughs) yeah go Um, off i'm going to give the movie like a seven which is not what I normally say about movies that I don't like. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, I, I can't make myself say that it isn't competently made because it is. And it's well-written and all. Mm-hmm. My problem is that I feel as though if you're going to do a movie that is slasher satire, mm-hmm. you have an option before you to simply make a better slasher whilst doing it. And this one, I feel like a lot of it's like meta commentary, a lot of it's like slasher criticism largely comes down to the movie itself making a bad and a dumb predictable slasher that's just very by the numbers and then pointing at it and saying, isn't this stupid? Isn't that bad? And it's just like, well, you know, you you made the movie, you made actually. It like that. My brother in Christ. <laughs> you could have simply made a better movie. And I I try not to do comparisons like this, but um, I'm going to anyway. Uh, 15 years prior to this movie coming out, 
I'm about to gab a ghoul. I watched Scream yesterday with Becca because Ooh. Becca had never oh seen God. Scream before. In 1996, Wes Craven looked at the slasher landscape around him and he said, this sucks. And you know what he did? He made Scream, which is a movie that pokes fun at and criticizes other slashers while also, you'll note, being a better slasher than any of the movies it's criticizing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. My big problem with Cabin in the Woods is it's doing a good job of its whole like commentary thing. It's not being a good slasher. I think the kills are all a little uninspired, and that's the most mean that I will be to it, I think. Because, like, you know, at least one of these kills, the only problem is they don't let us look at it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think any of the kills in this are super remarkable, and I feel like if you're going to make mm-hmm. a slasher criticism you should be doing it better, you know, rather than doing the same thing as everything that you're criticizing and then just pointing and saying that's no good. I don't know. It annoys me. It's a movie that's well done and does what it's doing pretty well, but it makes me angry. (laughs) I, I don't know. I think that part of the like criticism the movie's doing by focusing on voyeurism kind of necessitates pulling away from but also could necessitate pushing in on the kills to me pulling away from a lot of the actual kills um felt like part of the filmmaker's choice to like point out some certain things about why we watch horror movies and why horror movies are written the way that they are and for what audiences but i i definitely understand where you're coming from the there is one fun memorable kill in this movie it's Chris Hemsworth. It's Chris Hemsworth, yes. <laughs> that one's really um, good. It's a really good kill. That's my favorite kill in the movie because it's the one that actually and does we don't, what it's supposed to do really well, right? And we don't even necessarily hold on it or anything or or like like we watch the body and everything. But like we don't necessarily like do the thing they do with Brad Pitt in the Deadpool 2 movie where it's like right, or anything. Um and I think that if they'd just been, because it's clear they were excited to do that one because they foreshadow it earlier in the movie. Oh, yeah. I w- yeah, I do kind of wish that kind of creativity had been put towards the others. Yeah. Uh, Emma, you had your hand up. No, no, we're good. Oh. <laughs> oh, also the kill, I think the kills for the teens are not held on very long. Kills later in the movie, like at the end. Yeah get a lot more attention uh mm-hmm. a, a bit but at that point it's kind of just become a gag yeah so i i, I, I guess have, i don't perceive I have, it the same way then that's, yeah that's fair i have though. thoughts on this but i would love to talk about it in more depth right yeah when we're in, in the, the spoiler, in the spoiler zone. yeah yeah um uh with all of that said i'd like to reiterate there is a lot in this movie that i think it does really well it just mm-hmm. also makes me angry while it's doing it that's all I would yeah. like to reiterate, Jeff hates fun. That is and, uh, actually I, documented as true, yeah. Jeff's never liked a fun movie. That's why Jeff's first movie was The Black Coat's Daughter. Yeah, and that's why I was talking about um, um, Skinnamarink earlier. <laughs> Just come up, hello, I'm Jeff, I hate fun. We know. I like shit, it's hard to watch. Uh... <laughs> that's okay. But I as far as things hard being watch. hard to watch, this isn't. What what <laughs> content warnings do we have? We have got an on-screen um, suicide. Yes, oh, we, do. we do have By that. By which I mean in mm-hmm. the movie it's on a screen. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There There's is, a lot of violence. It's a lot of violence and a pretty significant yeah, amount the, of violence. The, the world is painted red at the end of the movie. The last like fifteen minutes, it's a lot of blood. blood everywhere. It's a lot of CGI blood. 
And a lot of real blood. Oh. Well, fake um, blood. Yeah. Real fake blood. I got government manipulation on here. Sure. Oh, yeah, I, the conspiracy I theory stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's not something for me, but I can see some can people see being, being like tweaked out about yeah. it. Uh, little, uh, I would say stab and cut like, and whatnot. Yeah, the classic. Gotta watch out for mm-hmm. that. I'd say there's some sexual discomfort. There's some kind of there's the whole movie's a co- uh, commentary on voyeurism, so they do yeah. some voyeurism stuff in the movie itself. Um, but there's also just some like this the, the movie is pointing out that it's uncomfortable, but there are some uncomfortable. Scenes. It feels as um, though Joss Whedon just walks out and winks at the camera at a couple of points. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, wouldn't it be wild if we did this thing uh, and then they do it? (laughs) And it's like, wouldn't it be wild and uncomfortable? And then they actually just show it happening. And I'm like, I, okay, Uh, I get it, but okay. And Um, this is partially what I'm talking about, where the movie does the bad thing and then just points and says, look at that, huh? I I agree specifically on like the wolf count. Like you did (laughs) whoop-de-fucking-do. Oh, yeah. Whoop-de-fucking-do, you did that. Yeah, okay. You, You... Whoa, it's so cool how you just know that, that women happen. are people, yeah. but then you decided to make a woman do that anyway. Yeah. Uh, I totally believe you when you say that you think women are people, Joss. Also, Whedon. I'm going to have anyway. more to say about that specific scene when we get to it. <laughs> Me too. Uh, okay. I think that's it for content warning. So that's not, it is, a, again, it is an interesting, like, introduction to horror there's some interesting character designs and body horror in those character designs so i guess i'll hmm. throw that out there too um but mostly this movie kind of relies on things you've already seen in other horror movies yeah. and like really popular ones so if you're comfortable with most of the big slashers you're comfortable with this one uh okie dokie but um how how scary is this movie though um not super scary that's what i was thinking uh, no emma i'd like to hear from the people you made watch the movie actually yeah what did what they, did they think of the movie were they scared okay we we can we can do this so preliminary like preliminary prelim- preliminarily yeah. <laughs> that's not the word preliminary pre- <laughs> in the prelims in the prelims <laughs> while i'm waiting to hear back from them um I would say this is a great like starter horror movie. Um, um and if you're like familiar with horror tropes, which I feel like you become very familiar with horror tropes through osmosis of American media. To a degree. Um cuz I had never watched horror movies and I didn't know a whole lot when I first saw right. this and I still really enjoyed it. Uh and I understood the points that it was making. Mm. Okay. Um, so I would say it's like as far as scare level, it's a good like starter horror movie. Um, and I'll give it Certainly. like a two, one and a half. Or yeah, two. one and a half sounds better. Yeah, the movie's not <laughs> scary. I mean, it's it's playing on the say, fact not, that you know already what's here. going on and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't want to say one because I I'll give ones to movies that like aren't scary at all a lot of times. Sure. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of horror that doesn't rely on, like, outright scares. True. Um, Very true. And things like that. And I'll just be like, ah, one, it's not scary. But this does have, it does try to have, like, some scares. Yeah. And so, like, 1.5. It tries. Um, But it's not very scary. But I'll message my friends and see what they say. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing from them. Uh, I'm looking forward I'll to go. hearing the spoiler synopsis of this movie. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and jump 
into the spoiler synopsis, which is me reading from Wikipedia. Woo! Wikipedia. I say wiki, you say pedia. Wiki. So, oh, they want $5 because you said Wikipedia. Damn. So, uh, <laughs> oh, don't that. be mean. They need that <laughs> for real, though. Um, okay. So the movie uh, opens up. There's a reason that, like, Ebert will say things uh, about, like, it's not a spoiler for me to say what sounds like a huge spoiler. That's because the movie opens in this laboratory underground uh, with these two men. Um older-ish men, uh, Gary Sitterson and Steve Hadley. Uh, they talk Gary about... Steve. Ah. Yeah. They're, they are our, st- like, in-world Statler and Waldorf for the shenanigans that we see these teens going through. They oh. just have a running commentary the whole time, and I love them dearly. Um, they discuss a mysterious ritual and also the fact that Hadley's wife, uh, they're trying to get pregnant and, uh, Hadley's wife has been childproofing the whole house by putting, uh, childproof locks on everything. Oh yeah. It's those little, it's pissing those Hadley little off. Like, snag tabs that like catch the yeah. door when you try to open it. You got to like close yeah, it a little and then bit you gotta and then push them down. down and, yeah. He can't figure yeah. out how to navigate one because he's apparently not smarter than a toddler. God, I he says it takes him, him 20 <laughs> minutes hey. to get a beer. <laughs> The poor man needs to get his beard. It takes him Hadley 20 minutes to character. open the fucking fridge. He's had too many at um, this point. <laughs> Hadley says that he feels like p- prepping for a kid to this level is jinxing them and they are not going to get pregnant. Um, they discuss this ritual after after getting their coffee, walk into the control room and talk about how um, a similar operation to what they're doing in Stockholm just failed. Um, leaving only their operation and Japan's to do this ritual and that Japan has a perfect record. Uh, it seems like America does not as much. They discuss um, fuck-ups hey, in the past later two. on. They say they're number two. <laughs> they only yeah. had... They're yeah, doing I believe their you said they only had one major in 98, since they 98. Say. I want to know what movie did so badly in 98 that they're shitting on it here. I'll try and find um, it. Please do. I, it had something to do with chemicals uh, is you know what he said so i'm wondering if it's something like that hmm i wonder uh um, then we cut to we get the big bright red title card and we cut to american college students uh dana polk jules well just call them by their names dana jules kurt holden and marty they're going to spend a weekend at kurt's cousin's cabin in the forest try saying that five uh, times fast urban legend came marty. out in 1998 yeah that can't no. be no <laughs> <laughs> Um, they head out to this cabin, um, at all having discussions before they leave that kind of show that most of them are more than just the one dimensional tropes that we kind of expect to come with these characters. But we also get snippets from the lab showing that even before they head out, they have been influenced, um, just a bit on their way to the cabin they stop at a gas station and meet this mysterious man who tells them that the Buck- the Buck- the buckner place up in the woods doesn't get sold or whatever uh hey hey put some respect on uh, mordecai the harbinger mordecai <laughs> the harbinger um they go through this tunnel to get to the cabin and as they drive through the tunnel, we see this is the only safe way to kind of cross this gorge as a, we follow a hawk fly outside of the tunnel and crash into an electronic barrier, dying instantly. Uh, this will become important Check later. Check force field. 
Chekhov's force field. Um, when they get to the cabin, um, they start getting affected by these kind of mind-altering drugs that the laboratory are releasing into the cabin. They find a weird double-sided mirror kind of setting up these dynamics that you would usually find in a horror movie of um, uh the teens having their different tropes to play of the like the virgin, the the whore, the the, uh, the scholar, the athlete, and the fool who is Marty, who is a stoner and maybe the one who is most tropey at the beginning, um, before they even get altered. They find a um, cellar to this cabin when the door flies open. Oh, must have been the wind. And God, they, I love that. They go down to the basement, fully mind-altered at this point, and start just poking around with these weird old things. They pick up different horror movie reference um, objects and start goofing with them. There's a puzzle box, a cursed amulet, a music box with a ballerina in it, and this old diary uh, that talks about Patience Buckner uh, and her sadistic pain-worshipping uh, family uh, that used to own this cabin or whatever. Dana reads this Latin in this diary out loud and summons the zombified Buckner fa- family, starting the ritual for realsies. With some interference from Hadley, because things aren't going quite as smoothly as they'd like to, Kurt and Jules um, start to get it on outside when they are attacked by the zombies and Jules is decapitated. Um, Marty, as they, um, kind of find out about these zombies and are running around the house, find a, uh, finds a camera in his room, um, which causes the laboratory people to start to panic and want to release chemicals. But luckily one of the zombies shows up and drags Marty out. The lab workers learn that the right in Japan has failed. Uh, so the Americans are the last hope for humanity. The surviving teens, who are now uh, Kurt, Holden, and Dana, as Marty's been stabbed by a zombie and dragged into the woods, try to escape in the RV. They get to the tunnel, which was supposed to be blocked already, but is not, and the the tunnel collapse is triggered while they're still inside it, and they barely escape. Um, Now trapped outside of the tunnel and looking at the gorge, Kurt's like, I can totally jump this with my dirt bike. And everyone else is like, yeah, you can totally jump this with your dirt bike. So he gets on his dirt bike and charges up to jump the gorge and crashes smack dab into the force field and drops into the gorge below dead. Um, best, best death for me in this movie. It's a good death. Dana and Holden decide to try and GTFO some other way and start driving back towards the cabin. But by now, Dana has kind of figured out based on the force field that Marty was right. Something fucky is going on here beyond their control. Uh, She doesn't think there's any way for them to get out. As they're driving and they're talking, uh, Holden gets stabbed in the neck by one of the other zombies. Uh, And they crash into the lake and it seems like uh, Holden's dead. Dana survived. Movie over. Slasher movie over. The ritual has succeeded. The final girl has survived. They're popping champagne in the laboratory. Everyone's having a great time until the people who were supposed to collapse the tunnel reveal that they really did not get any like notification to do that. In fact, they were told not to do it from someone upstairs. 
that's because Marty isn't fucking dead. Marty has found um, this under the graves of these uh, zombies, this kind of control panel for all the shit the laboratory, the laboratory has been doing. Uh, Dana is able to find Marty. Um, Marty actually comes and saves her. My bad. Sorry, Marty. You have agency. Marty comes <laughs> and saves Dana. Uh, and the two of them run to this uh, control panel area and find an elevator. Um, and Marty says he can get it to go down. Dana says, do we want to go down? And Marty's like, where else are we going to go? So they get into the elevator. So Marty. <laughs> and they send it down while the laboratory starts to freak the fuck out because um, Marty needs to die for this ritual to work. They start descending, and they, as they drop in this glass box, they begin to encounter a bunch of different horror movie monsters in their own glass elevator boxes. We see uh, a pinhead kind of reference with this guy with his little b puzzle ball and saw sticking out of his head. We see a werewolf, this wraith thing, this ballerina with a tooth face. Very cool. And a left for um, dead zombie. Yeah, we zoom out and we see all of these different references in these glass boxes as Dana freaks out and screams as she should. She's she having a bad day. She, a bad one, yeah. So is so is Marty, but he's kind of nonverbal at this point, apart from to say, trowel. "Oh shit, oh fuck." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had to dismember that guy with a trowel. Uh, once they get into kind of the the actual area of the laboratory, everyone's flipping out. Dana manages to trigger a control panel that releases all of the horror movie monsters into the laboratory, and they start going nuts. This is a really fun part of the movie because it's basically just watching all of these horror movie monsters wreak absolute havoc yeah. on this this system um hadley's been consistently talking about how it's so like boring that we've got like zombies and stuff and why can't i see a merman that would be really cool to see a merman <laughs> kill people and he gets murked by a merman obviously merc man um during all of this uh Dana and Marty are able to make it down to this kind of creepy cylindrical room that has um, this kind of platform surrounded by this pit. Marty looks over the edge of the pit and can see something is down there moving. They manage to kill one of Citizen, uh, Hadley's dead by Merman, but Citizen gets stabbed by Dana, and his last words are her to her are to kill Marty, which is a really weird thing for you to say in your dying breath unless you have conviction. Dana clearly picks up on this. She has a gun that Marty himself handed her, and as they're kind of trying to figure out what goes on, Sigourney Weaver walks out and is like, hey, guys. Uh, so we had to do this ritual or the ancient gods are going to rise up and kill everyone and Marty has to die or he's going to die anyway, but so is everyone else in the world. And Dana's like, oh, that sounds totally reasonable. I'm going to try and kill Marty. And then a werewolf charges out of nowhere and attacks her. Um, there's a bit of a standoff. Marty is able to take down the werewolf and eventually the director with the help of one of the zombies from before. And then Dana and Marty are like, well, that's the end of the world then. They decide that they're not going to kill Marty to save humanity. They smoke a joint together. And uh, the old gods emerge. And uh, hand smashes through the cabin in a really cool final shot. And that's the end. Yay. I watched a behind-the-scenes video once on how they did the hand smashing up. 
Oh yeah. And it's really it was really neat. Yeah, it was just cuz they're it's all CG except for a, the dirt. Uh some of the dirt is real. They had That's a guy so punch through a table with a model house on it. Yeah, okay. With um uh, just has a bunch of dirt on it so they could get like dirt trajectory and they layered that in with the rest of their CG effects. Yeah, all right. Um, I ended up not reading the Wikipedia article, by the way, because the Wikipedia article does not talk about anything that happened. This seems like the kind oh. of movie that uh, the Wikipedia synopsis probably wouldn't handle very well. Speaking of the Wikipedia synopsis, uh, it mentioned my good boy Mordecai the Harbinger, and I would like to talk for a second with you all. It didn't about... mention Mordecai the Harbinger at all. No, Nina no, mentioned Mordecai the Harbinger. I did. Which is wild, because he's actually a really important part of the movie uh, in the system of things. Yeah, um, but I really loved in the movie, and this is like a wonderful, wonderful example of the guys back at uh, the lab thinking they have this whole thing locked down, really clean and easy, and it's a guaranteed win because he literally says the fool almost ruined it for everyone. He gives them the heads up that Marty is not playing by the system, and that should not be a a possibility with how they dosed his weed because they talk at one point everyone has been dosed in some way to get them ready our one character when she got her hair dyed blonde they put extra chemicals into her fucking brain or whatever to make her dumber uh everyone else it's like the alcohol has been dosed and stuff like that but for marty they dosed all his weed or so and they thought. They couldn't find all of it because Marty's just that good of a stoner that he hid his weed too good and had clean weed. I love that their so, mistake is just they underestimated the amount of weed that he had. <laughs> yeah, right? And if they were not so busy laughing at Mordecai for taking his job very seriously, because he breaks character when he's like, wait, am I on speakerphone? <laughs> I don't know who's yeah. there. This is really awkward. Don't do that to me. I can hear the echo. And then and then he slips back into his harbinger persona where he's talking about how the the you know the darkness in the heart of man will bring uh the tide of the great dark ones or whatever, you know. His whole like spiel. And I think it's really it's really funny how they could have gotten their heads up that this was not going to work if they had just actually listened to the man. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's a good point. Yeah. It's a good point. Also, something that kind of gets mentioned like as a throwaway thing, the the one lady from the chem department says that because his weed wasn't treated, it like immunizes him to all of their other shit. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Which is so funny. <laughs> Why is it that weed How makes you science, Jeff? Like, oh. Well, I'd better. Jeff, it's clearly science. you're not a good enough stoner or else you would know how weed I mean, immunizes yeah, you I gotta, I gotta just try harder here. so we talk we normally talk about or jeff likes to have us try to talk about um when we do slasher movies our favorite kills but i feel like there's a better topic at hand in this movie where we can say what's your favorite knockoff monster that's a better game to play with this particular one i love the japanese business people in white masks God, they're so creepy. They're so cool. They're and their whole thing, you know, like you just watch them walk out all like just dead silent, and then you just see them tying people up in an office area and dousing them in gasoline, and that's their whole thing. Yeah, they they're might the scariest be scariest ones for me, for sure. 
Nina like sat up when I answered when I asked this question. Uh, I like knockoff pinhead. Ready. All I have to say is I like knockoff pinhead he, very much. I think he's a better hard. pinhead. He's really good. He's a better pinhead than the pinhead from Inferno was. He just <laughs> that's because he shut the fuck up. He shut like the pinhead fuck should. up. He watches should stand there, say big things, and then not talk. Yeah, mm. I liked the cut that we got of them totally just like sequestering themselves off with one guy and torturing him. That's so valid. <laughs> yeah. very, um, I love the scene yeah. with fake Pinhead where they're in the box mm. and Pinhead is like watching them and they're figure they're like realizing everything that's going on and that like they were forced to choose what was going to kill them and as main character girl whose name i forget is freaking out dana as dana's like freaking out and like banging against the glass and everything and screaming um we just get the shot or like a few shots of fake pinhead just standing there like very cold and stoic and they've got like these big black contacts in Mm -hmm. and you just see like the eyes like tracking her constantly and it's like so creepy and cool and i like it yeah Yeah, whoever that is playing knockoff pinhead is doing a really good job doing a really good job um i also my uh honorable mention really like the little bat that crashes through the window (laughs) oh yeah yeah. i think he i think he's pretty cute Uh, (laughs) (laughs) nina known sucker for anything that's bat shaped yeah and he has another thing that i love which is a mouth that opens at weird angles oh yeah he's got that like Um, little mandibles yeah yeah Yeah. i love a mandible jaw 10 out of 10 so good Jeff, what about you? Um, I like a few of them. There's this one um, just like hazard yellow robot with buzz saws just sticking off him all yeah, over the place. Yeah. I, love buzz I think that guy's Louis. pretty fun. He's great. Uh, honorable mention also, though, to the unicorn, of course. Of course. I mean, how sure. do you not love the yeah. unicorn? We get to see him stab some guy up against a wall and everything. Like, it's he's just great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The werewolf looks practical, and I think that's very nice. A lot of these monsters are CG, and the werewolf looks like he's just a suit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to name two. One that is perhaps more like terrifying and uncomfy for Mm. me, and I don't like, and the other one is just... (laughs) Um, The first one is the scarecrows. Oh, I love the the scarecrows that kind of rush the the security guy. Those are like terrifying, where they're just like kind of clawing into him and like trying to stuff him. I think, yeah, like hate that. Um, and that definitely leaves an impression. Little bit, little bit. And then the other ones when you mentioned earlier the on-screen suicide that Mm. we see like literally on a screen um we see that and then the camera starts like pulling out and you see these other monsters like attacking people like all over the place on these like security cameras reminiscent of that one one of them horizon honestly these clips are all really well done Mm -hmm. yeah one of them has these really really like grotesque looking people holding somebody down and then yeah. one of them throws oh up God. into like the person's Yeah, they're mouth. like vomit yeah. waterboarding him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that is uh, <laughs> Yeah, that stuck out to me. But this again, time very as well. memorable. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are those are my two standouts, but if Noah hadn't said the mask people, I would have said the mask hmm. people because 
people with masks just are a big no-no for yeah. me. They're I, very you scary. Know, I have a runner-up as well, and it is Roland the Intern, who seems completely unharmed, and you see him in the background holding up just like manila folders with big marker writing that sound it just kind of looks like he's like hey somebody come get me is anyone gonna save me oh yeah and i think that is very Aww. good okay uh i have the fan wiki okay oh. Oh, knock okay. off pinhead's name is fornicus lord of bondage and pain yeah. <laughs> of course it <laughs> is that makes sense also we all forgot about one of the better monsters on the Are list say the merman angry molesting tree oh, oh angry, angry molesting, molesting tree, tree. Yeah. is really good yeah, yeah. You see him one. on the whiteboard. And, yeah. and then you see him coming out of the, the elevator somehow. Some <laughs> <laughs> Just like in Evil Dead, he reach out, he go back. Yeah. Deadites yeah. are on the whiteboard as well, by the way. The story department bets on them, which is funny mm. because functionally... Um, Deadites, zombies, and zombie redneck torture family all, all kind of... Are... Also, right next to each other, they've got <laughs> witches and sexy witches listed separately from one another. <laughs> and I love that. I want to see the sexy witch I movie. I wish we could have gotten the sexy witch movie. I wish we could have got Fornicus, Lord of Bondage, and Death. Okay, um, alternate, alternate cut of this. Where <laughs> Firstly, you know as well as I do, Pinhead is not Fornicus, Lord Nobody of Bondage, is and Death. No. <laughs> His design goes so hard. God. He's just got these circular saw blades stuck on him, like everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I really do wanna... oh, oh, that design goes hard. But then we have CDs sticking out of a guy's head in Hellraiser Three: Hell on Earth, and that sucks. And is it does. I haven't watched well, Hellraiser I wanna... Three yet, so I haven't rendered that. I want to read some of the. <laughs> he spits CDs out of his That's mouth as well. As shit. <laughs> yeah, I got some highlights from the from the whiteboard. Obviously, let's go, we let's have. Go. Uh, witches, sexy witches, angry molesting tree, yeah. Kevin. Kevin. From Home Alone, I think. That's my guess. I have to assume. Dismemberment goblins. I would love to see the dismemberment mm -hmm. goblins. Sasquatch and Yeti are under the same same one, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think those are the best one. Dismemberment goblins is a sleeper hit, for Honestly. sure. Zoology yeah. bet on giant they do mention it later on that there are some that seem too big to fit in the box, like the crack in the giant and the angry molesting tree. Mm -hmm. I think they that's... get bigger boxes. Yeah, they get. Bigger oh my god! Boxes, like in that movie insane. where they're like, "We're gonna need a bigger box." <laughs> oh, from Cube. Yeah, from yeah. Cube. <laughs> <laughs> cube two. You're gonna need a bigger box. <laughs> Okay, but have you seen Cube 2? Wait, everybody, I have breaking Whoa. news. Oh, we got it. Oh. This just in. I have confirmation from my streamer friends on oh. the scary rating for oh Cabin in the Woods. They have both given it a 3 out of 10. You know oh, what? Okay. That's fair. Yeah, super, super valid. Okay, yeah. 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 Funny that did they... Did they uh, consult each other? Did they share their answers? Or was They're this... married. Oh, oh that'll yeah. do it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, weird that they gave the same rating, but that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, other things about this movie, other than the like big meta meta humor stuff, which is like a big selling point for this oh, sure. movie. Um, um, the, the writing on the stoner character, Marty, is very fun. Um, his quips are all very Whedon-esque, but like... I'm, a lot of okay, his jokes like take too brave. long to say to be quippy enough, you know. 
And Agreed. I think that's what mm-hmm. makes half of them work. Like the one line where he's like, yeah. you know, I hear the railroad's going to be coming through here. That's really going to liven up the whole area. That takes too long to say to be a, a classic Wade and Quip TM, but like He follows it up good. with the best part, which is like the streets are, streets are going to be paved <laughs> with actual street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say something brave. Oh. Whedon can write really enjoyable, funny dialogue. It's just he's remembered too much for his really middling quips. Mm -hmm. And also when he doesn't have someone else to help rein him in a little bit, he goes a little bit too hard in uh, what is now cringy millennial territory. But especially when you slow his quips down Hmm. with a guy who's like really high I found a lot of the stuff that I noticed being his dialogue in this movie actually being pretty Yeah, and I think a lot of that is that it's context. I feel like this movie sets up a really good context for that flavor of dialogue writing to work really, really well. Because it's the kind of, the the way that people should be talking to each other, right? Because everyone that we see is either just having a regular weekend where they're not like, you know, on. They're just kind of drinking and smoking weed and having fun. And that's, you know, the way you're going to talk to your friends. And the other people that we see are all like at work. So when yeah. they make jokes, it's in kind of like a John McClane and Die Hard kind of way where it's like, my life depends on this. I've got to crack a joke to stay sane. You know, mm-hmm. this yeah. is a situation where his flavor of dialogue just works abnormally well, I think. Yeah, that's fair. His yeah. weaknesses I, are right I, I, not knowing when not to do that. Yeah. Can I share a fun fact about Marty? Oh, is it the same as one of the ones that I've got? Probably. Um, Marty's actor. <laughs> well, no. Oh. But, so throughout the movie, Marty wears very baggy mm, clothing yes. because he, the actor, was fucking ripped. I did know this. Yes, of he was. He was ripped filming. as hell. Yeah, I was wondering and, like because, more muscular yeah. than Chris Hemsworth. That's and impressive. they were like, we can't have that be the high character. So when he shows up in his triumphant return and he's holding his like ex- the extendo, extendo bong. bong <laughs> Uh, the extendo bong cost $5,000 to make and actually worked. I wonder who found that out. <laughs> also, $5,000 to make? Yeah. I bet I could find one of those. Well, I mean, it's development for like $20 as well. On You're Amazon also right now. Yeah, yeah, costs, you have to do the, it's a the R&D you know? on the extendo bong. If you bong. were to purchase a, a replica extendo bong, I'm sure it wouldn't cost $5,000. The R&D is already done. <laughs> Yeah, oh I just God. posted a picture of him in our Ooh. like post chat. Oh, thanks okay. for that. I'm ready to he be, was yeah. fucking. I already think he's ripped. hot. For the record, yeah, yeah he, he already looks good ripped. I already think he's hot. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got what, the gutters. What is happening? Oh he's yeah, got the, gutters the gutters are going. Jesus. Yeah. So, so that's it why was they about, have to wear um, big baggy shirts for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because when he comes up with the extendo bong, I'm like, damn, the way that shirt is sitting on him, they really should have done something here because it just makes him look like he looked like a gorilla. If we're He's being completely like a honest, big his arms look in that so scene big. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, hey, I'm here, but like he looks like a caveman. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm he's like, huge. he looks so strong. What the hell? Now it makes so much yeah, sense. Yeah, dude's just got like fucking yeah. delts for days. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it took me a long way into this movie to realize he is in, um, oh, fuck. I forgot the name of the movie. It's that, it's the M. Night Shyamalan with the yellow and the red. 
Uh, the, the village. village. He's yeah, in the village. Yeah, he's that guy. Uh, yeah, mm, that's the weirdo. I think that's the only other thing that I've seen him in. Actually, it's the only. Mm, mm, I was about to agree, but I I believe when I looked him up, I saw him in a shit ton of other things. Okay, so Holden's actor. The only other thing that I've seen him in yeah. is is Detroit Become Human. <laughs> L. <laughs> he plays the character that had the most potential and the one I was ready to love the most, but they loved his fucking parts so hard it makes me angry to this day oh, he was right. in um only murders in the building recently oh, was he? that's Ooh. neat yeah i didn't recognize him because okay, i hadn't watched so this friend kranz is he's in donnie darko and training day as well oh. but he plays background characters oh. he is not a main guy what did we watch recently that had a, sh- a shocking amount of dexter characters that's in it? odd um National Treasure. National, National Treasure. treasure? <laughs> God, I hey, love that movie. Y- y'all want to oh, watch a movie that does not hold up once you're uh, an adult and also does National like, Treasure not hold a up? communist? Oh, it holds up. It, it, it is it's exactly so what fun. you it's think it's exactly, going to be. Whatever you remember it being, it is exactly what you remember. And that was the part that like stabbed me in the chest. I'm like, Honestly, oh no. <laughs> watching it and then watching Cabin in the Woods probably prepared me for Whedon's dialogue because the dialogue in National Treasure is so much worse. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's like God, a little yeah. vaccine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't wait to watch National Treasure 2 again because oh, I remember so I remember bad. thinking that was good. worse. Yeah. It's not as good. Well, because it doesn't have uh scene bean in well, it. Well, no, it, it doesn't. doesn't. No, and it needs him. No, and it's so important I that you know. I love him as a villain. God. You know who else I, I love just as love a villain? A Sigourney part. Weaver to bring it back to the movie that we're Whatever. actually so supposed to talk about. Whatever. <laughs> I love her. This was great because I think prior to this, she had not really been in anything for like quite a oh, while. Yeah. Like no, no, no I horror, think so. obviously, but like. All I know that she's been in is Alien and Holes, to be 100% honest it with you. It would be so funny if Holes you was like the last movie. You didn't see Avatar or Ghostbusters? I, no. Oh, I have seen Ghostbusters. I did not watch Avatar. Oh, nice. I did, but I wasn't paying attention. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Well, if you did pay attention, you would know that Sigourney Weaver is in it. Yeah, I've seen pictures of her guy, of her avatar, so to speak. Well, she's in and there. She's just, got the weirdly uh, human looking. She's one. in there just like as herself as well. Hers is like yeah, weirdly human looking. Yeah. Yeah, it's because it's a prototype. I I do remember this. Uh, much, she was in but... a bunch of stuff prior to this, uh, like in. Yeah, I guess I'm. It's crazy. like very shortly after <laughs> Avatar, actually. Yeah. Oh shit! She was the ship's was computer in Wally. I didn't know that. What the hell? Oh yeah, I never knew that. Cause, cause, get it? Right. Cause, yeah, she, cause, cause, <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was also in the village. What the fuck? I'm gonna close her IMDb now. <laughs> this is not. So the Gordy time Weaver was in the village. Apparently so. I don't, it's been way too long since I watched that movie, so I don't know anything about anything that's in it. I guess. In any case, I though, watched it really recently. Yeah. Um, her character in this is. Uh, I, I kind of wish that she was present more. Maybe that's just because she's her, but like. By the time she shows what, up, it's I just kind of like, well, where's she why. been all this time? You know? Well, we've been hearing her voice. We have been hearing her voice. That's true. And she's she clearly she's like called the producer. She's she's like yelling yeah. at them when things go wrong, but otherwise not they really doing her a whole the lot. Director though, mm-hmm. I, I get the impression I feel that the like two guys, get it because it's a movie. Right, I get the impression yeah. that the two guys we're following are supposed to be Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, right? The Hadley guy is yeah, definitely well, yeah. a Joss Whedon self-insert character, right? Like, it feels that way. Uh, well, Joss Whedon's self-insert, I would say, okay, is Marty, based Ooh. off his past self-inserts. You know what? Okay, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's very clear from the way Marty but, gets introduced that like they wanted him to seem like Mr. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the he fact, rolls up honking on that bong. The police will God. never pull anyway. over a man with a massive bong in his car. Yes, that is a Joss Whedon self-insert if I've ever heard one. Uh, (laughs) But Hadley and, yeah, well, okay, so this is a great time to get into um, Cabin in the Woods as as a meta-commentary. Cabin in the Woods is about the, in my opinion, this is not like a, a, a grand statement. In my opinion, Cabin in the Woods is about desensitization to specific horror and how our appetite for violence increases um, the longer that um, we are shown these kind of things, the more we're shown these kind of things. And um, obviously just voyeurism in general, the kind of human need to like put characters through things for our own benefit. And in this specific commentary, that's a negative thing. I think there are conversations to be had about putting characters through things to explore our own like personal experiences. That's not what this movie is talking about. This movie is talking about, um, wouldn't it be fucked up if shit happened while we're kind of fucked up for wanting to see that? Um, And it's fun, actually, to kind of be slapped over the face with that and be like, it's kind of fucked up that that we make these movies like this, isn't it? Would you like to hear a quote from Joss Whedon about writing this movie? Would I? He calls it a, quote, loving hate letter to the genre. And he goes on to say, it's a serious critique of what we love and what we don't about horror movies. I love being scared. I love that mixture of thrill, of horror, that objectification slash identification thing of wanting definitely for the people to be all right, but at the same time, hoping they'll go somewhere dark and face something awful. The things that I don't like are kids acting like idiots, the devolution of the horror movie into torture porn, and into a long series of sadistic comeuppances. Drew and I both felt that the pendulum had swung a little too far in that direction. This guy and so they Saw. decided to personally grab the pendulum and push it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I feel like they grab the pendulum, they pull it a little further, and then they push it the yeah, other way. Yeah, that's pretty but... much what this movie is. It's grabbing the pendulum, yeah. holding it over here for a second, and then just letting it swing again. Yeah. Being like, look at where the pendulum is. Isn't that kind of fucked up? And then like being like letting it naturally kind of go the other yeah. direction to where we are now. Um which is like, because obviously Scream does this too, yeah. um, but uh, in a different way. Um, but I think that as a as a response to both Cabin in the Woods and Scream, we've kind of seen these movies get a little more self-aware, even just in normal horror movies. And this has happened with superhero movies too. It's getting exhausting, the self-awareness thing, to be honest. I was actually just about to say the only bad thing about being aware of how you're... Uh how your genre is viewed is then sometimes you get these movies where people think that they are so fucking smart for subverting the expectations simply by subverting rather than in like innovating anything fresh and new because they will look at it and say, well, this is bad because everyone does it. And it's the same issue as what happened to James Bond (laughs) when fucking Austin Powers came out and they couldn't have a fun James Bond anymore. Daniel Craig's biggest criticism of Bond as a character was Austin Powers came out and as soon as the movie came out, there was never a fun Bond movie again. Can you imagine the Daniel Craig performance we could have been treated to if he was allowed to be fun? Knowing Christ. knowing him now right? with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. 
you get obviously there's other factors at play with the horror movies. Like when Wes Craven was like, slashers can be better. Here's yeah, one. You know? <laughs> and that's I think the biggest issue with this one is they're like, horror can be better. And you're gross for liking it the way it yeah. is, is like the hand in hand statement. Yeah, that's... And that bums me out a little bit because it's like horror yeah. can be better. I do see what you're saying, Jeff, especially with Scream, because when I watch Scream, I love Scream. I love Stu and yeah. Billy and I love these characters. It does its commentary and it's Sydney. just an exceptionally good slasher while it does it. It's to me, it's um it's I wish there were good slashers, so I'm going to make one. Mm-hmm. Like, to show you guys what you should be doing. And with this one, it is just a lot of negativity of, wow. Man who already, like, totally redefined the slasher genre He's like, I'm gonna do it again. He's like, fuck you. (laughs) Um, But especially with 10 years, uh, 12 years now of... I'm no, I'm oh, saying oh, to oh, right. uh, okay. to us to Cabin in yeah, the Woods. Yeah. Um, kind of looking back at it, it's like I think there was it, it has brought about a specific kind, not just Cabin in the Woods, right. but like the way a lot of people talked about horror, the way that I talked about horror when we started this podcast. To be a hundred percent honest, mm-hmm. um, this kind of idea that um, there is lowbrow and highbrow horror, yeah. and that lowbrow horror is bad and non valuable. Um, on a like kind of discussion sense, I did not expect um, day of what was it day of the dead. Mm-hmm. I did not expect day of the dead to be a commentary. I did not expect yeah. um, certain other movies we've seen to be as deep and interesting as they were. I think that certain movies have turned out to be pretty much exactly what I expected. Oh, sure. But um, you know, I think I did myself a disservice by being by being the character at the end from the beginning of the scream requel that's like i like intellectual horror or whatever elevated horror um especially as someone who has openly talked about really loving x-men origins wolverine like Uh i like bad bad stupid movies where was i going (laughs) with that um but like looking at looking at halloween kills and halloween ends i think those are two really good examples of what's frustrating about the self-awareness Oh, and Texas Chainsaw, the new one. God, oh, God. yeah. Those Ugh. three are unwatchable, honestly. Um, yeah. I just cannot deal with the level of self-aware self-hatred that they have. They are no longer fun to yeah. watch as movies because they're so busy being like, but we know, but we know. Oh, but we know. And we're doing something different. Trust us. And it's like, then do yeah. it. Stop telling me. And then you watch and they're not doing something different. They're not doing anything different. Yeah, and that's, I, I feel like what it comes down to is that things like, uh, you know, genre, larger genre criticism, things like satire, things like meta commentary, land differently when they're being made by someone who likes the thing that they're talking about versus someone who hates it. And this is a movie made by someone who hates it, I think. And that shows in a few parts of it. I am not 100% on board sure. with that. I think that it, I think what Joss Whedon said is probably genuinely true, that it is a hate, hate, the hate, the parts that it hates is, um, is stuff that was bad, you know? Sure. The, the hating the how stupid kids act. But when it's less that this is a, this is like, 
that he hates the genre is that he's focusing on the things he hates. There is no there is no focusing on the things that he loves about that same genre. You can tell by the kind of homages that he's putting in there that he does genuinely like the genre, but the but he the parts that he likes are just there as as like little like I decided to do Pinhead, but we don't get that kind of like or I decided to do Evil Dead, mm-hmm. you know. Um but we don't kind of get that focus on those things or maybe then we would get something like tucker and dale versus evil right yeah which Um, is kind of deconstructing all the same tropes that this one is but with with heart and this movie does not lack heart no i think no i wouldn't but it definitely it definitely i i think it just focuses on the cynicism too much i don't think that joss whedon hates horror because i think if he did or joss whedon and drew goddard i'm not gonna cut drew goddard out of this um i do not think these men hate horror i just think that it came from a place of bitterness and that has kind of tainted the whole thing Mm -hmm. whereas i don't think that's where scream came from at all or tucker and dale versus evil because Tucker and Dale versus Evil critiques, I would like to watch that one for the podcast. Oh, it critiques a lot of the the exact same things that Cabin in the Woods 100%. does, but it also has this kind of critique of classism in there, which is how Tucker and Dale are treated yep. and ver- by the kids. Like, while not fully condemning the kids for like having these conceptions like allowing them to be the kind of people who are open to learn so there's like there is a there's a kind of like it's not a perfect movie but there's a kind of like warmth to it Mm -hmm. i talk a lot on this podcast about not liking being punished for liking characters i feel like this movie kind of punishes you a little bit for liking characters it it doesn't punish you but it tells you that you're stupid for it i feel like yeah well, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and and it, 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 I I feel a little bit dumb with a lot of my criticisms of it because like you know it, it everything that it's doing it is doing on purpose, right? Because like they're making the characters stupid on purpose, but earlier on in the movie it shows you that like these characters are not stupid. It's told to us over and over. Kurt's not uh you know some dumb jock. He's a sociology major on a full academic scholarship, and then he shows up and he gets hit with the stupid chemicals, and now suddenly he's an idiot. Like, th- yeah, we're we're shown that all of this is like the engineered scenario. Everything that I most of what I criticize about the movie is stuff that it's doing on purpose as its own criticism. So, like, maybe yeah. I don't have a right to um, say this and I'm just mad about it. But well, to praise it for a second, yeah. I think the movie wants you to be sad that what has happened to these characters and making them dumb down tropes, you should be sad about the whole genre because you do get a little sad that we don't get to see who more of who these characters were before they get dumbed mm-hmm. down and sad that they die as these tropes of themselves. They don't even get to die as who they really yeah. are. And then you can take that kind of disappointment and apply it to the genre that they were critiquing and be yeah. like, man, that's true. We could have had these movies that had real characters that we really liked. That's one thing I love about Talk to Me is I really liked Mia as a character. Yeah. I really liked most of the characters, honestly. A lot of likable characters um, in there. So, you know, we've watched movies on this podcast where we've been like, I was kind of, I kind of forgot I was watching a horror movie. I just liked these characters so much. Mm. And I was, I was kind of bummed out that I knew they had to die. <laughs> uh, but then we've also watched movies like Underwater, which are the tropiest characters I've ever seen. I like underwater. I like underwater a lot, but you cannot deny it. Cthulhu's they got a thick are ass some in my pretty memory. Tropey characters <laughs> cannot deny it. Yeah, but yeah, I think what I'm hearing from you, Jeff, and you can correct me if sure. I'm wrong, is that you just don't. Um, I'm I'm feeling just 
that, that they like I understand where you're coming from, I guess, that it feels like they hate horror because um, looking at kind of the takeaway all being negative, it can definitely feel like there's no um, there is no love there for it, even though I definitely like I definitely feel that there is I can I can hear when you're saying like, oh, I feel like I shouldn't like I shouldn't be critiquing this because it's doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's doing it on purpose to be mean. Well, so. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's yeah. A, a lot of what my problem is just comes down to the like, um, what's the what's the phrase? Um, it's hard to light a candle, but it's easy to curse the dark. This movie is not lighting a candle. You know, it's yeah, not presenting new ideas necessarily, except sometimes. in the the framing device of it, which is original enough that right. I should give it, you know, points for it. Like, I think that sometimes everyone is standing in the dark. And someone's like, wow, it's fucking dark in here. And that inspires someone else to go light a candle. Um, I, I so just, I don't, I, think, I don't like the implication there that there weren't any good movies in the 2000s, though. You know, like, they're, like of all the horror that was released in the 2000s, it was exclusively Saw and Hostile and Wrong Turn. Like, yeah, that was a lot. a lot. It was a lot. I'm aware Noah of that. And I have okay, you know what that is though in a lot of ways so though I... is it was just easier to start making those because digital cameras were available for everyone suddenly. It's like what we're seeing right now right. just on a different scale. It's not yeah, as though right. good shit didn't exist. Yeah, there was a lot of remakes. And I feel then. like and I think I feel like this that movie was an issue too. Is claiming oh, yeah. that the good and stuff still just didn't that. exist at all. I, it just it, it reminds know. me of the I've watched three horror movies and they were all bad so I've decided all horror movies suck kind of opinion that a lot of people hold I think I th I don't know about that honestly I I think that um you can say there were good things back then but like you can say that about a lot of different eras of things yeah. and just because just because sure. like trends come and go in waves doesn't mean that at the bottom of a wave that we know was going to come and that we know we'll get out of someone can't be like we're at the bottom of a wave right sure. now that i don't Absolutely. like it i um, did still give this movie a seven yes true so yeah i don't know i get it i don't think that um Obviously, I don't really care what movies Joss Whedon does or doesn't like. Drew Goddard, I give a little more of a shit about um, sure. because he wrote Lost a little bit, and I really like Lost. I um, looked into what else of his work is out there, actually. I looked at it, and I was like, I like a decent amount of these things. He did the Deadpool movies, I think. Oh, is that him? Yeah, I believe. I saw him credited on them, but I was kind of glancing at that point. I was I saw Lost and scrolled really hard. Oh, this guy's worked with Joss Whedon a up. lot. Mm. I he lied. directed Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh shit! I, I want to watch Bad that Times one. At the El Royale. Wrote I haven't seen that as one. Well, he directed multiple episodes of The Good Place, which is my That's favorite a very TV good show. show. He did do That's that. That's a very, very good show. Okay, I, I lied about Deadpool, but I remember seeing The Good Place on there. Yeah, and Lost. Obviously, I love Lost. He's got a little religious trauma going on. I can't be mad yeah. about that. No, I think honestly. <laughs> A lot of people, when they get into like horror critique, um, I'll, I'll include myself in in this number as well. Sure. Uh, you can get a little over passionate about the wrong things sometimes. Horror is easy to critique because well, there's a it's, lot of it's that. easy to critique because there's a lot of it and there's a lot of bad stuff because a lot of people will make a low budget horror yeah. movie and horror fans are like, I see the bones in this and this is good and I like it. Whereas the exact same people can do their take on a cool sci-fi thing but 
it sucks because it's too low budget and it's really hard to do other things uh, that type of low budget, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, horror is very, uh, uh, very, uh, uh, um, shit, I forgot the word. Accessible? A- accessible is not the word that I was looking for. Bloated? But, uh, it is a good uh, one. Was the word I was going to use. Is It's a bloated genre because of convenience, ability to make. It's you, forgiving you to, can a always show, tell. to a low uh, budget. It is. Yes. Because you can always tell there's a difference between someone who churned out a shitty horror movie because they could and who made a horror movie that was shitty because they cared. Yeah. Because, I don't know, man. You you see this all the time as people who, it happens with actors a lot too, where they'll start in horror because it's uh, the easiest way to break into the film industry. And then a lot of people, once they get a couple of those under their belt, they use that as their experience to get the hell out of yeah. horror into, quote, the good genres. Because horror doesn't get awards. Yeah. yeah. But then you do see people who, like, have every ability to exit the horror genre and just choose not to for their entire career. Yeah. And I love those people. Oh, yeah. I I kind of hope, like, I, Jenna Ortega is amazing, oh, yeah. and I will support her whatever she does, but I like having her as a screen queen. I would love for her to stick around uh, in horror even after Scream is out it of the way. It seems like she's mm-hmm. interested mm-hmm. in doing that. So far as I can tell. And I'm interested in keeping her around. Yeah. Same with Melissa Barrera. I'd like to see her in more things. Um, I haven't watched, I haven't, this is me calling myself out. It's not that I have gone out of my way to see any of her stuff. So if she's in other she things. Has, she has a new horror movie coming out in 2024, me. but it doesn't have a trailer yet. Oh, but bummer. I am What's eagerly it anticipating it. I don't remember. I saw a TikTok about it. I'll, okay. I'll find the name I'll watch and it. let you know. Mm-hmm. Me too. Why not? Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, there, are, there, are, there's a horror is a genre with some pretty low lows. Well, sure, but some what genre doesn't highs. have some pretty low lows? You know, I maybe this is just me and my <laughs> like listening to black metal demos and legitimately enjoying it. Brain, maybe I, I'm willing to acknowledge that like I'm just too far into certain very specific things, but like. I don't know. I feel like every genre has bullshit and it's not fair that horror that gets true. defined by its bullshit exclusively while nothing else does. But the problem the problem is that somehow the bullshit gets a lot more eyes for horror. I don't know how. Because it's fun like, to laugh and it's not fun to be scared for a lot of people. And also, that's, that's the it's reason. because there's a, a lot of people that love to be able to point at something and say, this is why we should write off the entire genre. That's, yeah, because it's taboo. And people, it's a lot of the good stuff is really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be able to, um, the bad stuff's often easier to stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, people who grew up with shit like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and they're like, this is what horror is supposed to be, actually. Yeah. The horrific idea of the killer tomatoes coming and attacking. But no, from but outer okay, space. so hold on though. Cause I think the the camp stuff, I that's not what I'm talking about when I no, say that. I horror. know that, but there's also people that don't know how to separate horror camp. Just like how they from like the rest of the like main like line of horror stuff versus the same people also can't separate different things of other classic movies because they're like, oh, these are classics and they're just good. And it's like, well, this is kind of a corny camp movie. But when that's what you're looking for from certain stuff, it's fine. 
I don't think I follow your logic necessarily. Uh, just I'm just that's fair. Yeah, but I definitely, I definitely think that um, horror just you know we're here on a horror movie podcast. We are in fact where we talk about horror yeah. movies. So true. Um, and this like this movie is one of many and one of many satire movies. I don't think that this movie it personally in of itself ruined horror for the 2010s. Oh, I never said that. I never said that. No, 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 no one ever did. But I also don't think I was going somewhere with that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, you idiot. We are not you letting you cook. <laughs> I also don't think that it single-handedly swung that pendulum or saved horror no, in any no. way either. I think it was just representative of what a lot of people were feeling at the time. Um, to be sure. honest, I mm-hmm. think I think that that's kind of why we've like seen why it's got such a reputation why people think that it's really witty and smart um, is because people have confirmation bias. And I would uh, hazard a guess that a lot of people kind of shared the opinions, whether or not um, they knew what they wanted. (laughs) I don't want to bring us back to Saw. Oh, my God. (laughs) Some very wise person, I believe it was Emma, shared at the server a while ago, and I mean a while ago, a TikTok about how all horror after 2005 was either... um, Opposed to Saw 2 conceptually <laughs> or aligned with Saw 2 conceptually. I remember yeah, that one. Yeah, and, I could... and I I posted it and I was like, I haven't seen Saw 2. What do the rest of you think? <laughs> and I think that this is just another in a line of Saw 2 was not good. Saw is a bad thing to the horror genre. And that this is people who want look at who he includes in the movies you mm-hmm. know he he's mm-hmm. like why don't we have pinhead anymore uh we did joss and they all sucked uh after the first two <laughs> why don't we have xyz anymore you know like a bunch of stuff like that where it's like even even guys that were around still had changed their style up and i feel like the inclusion of certain characters in this movie show like the direction that he's like, I wish that we went back more to the classic, like, feelings, almost. That's, That's not, not really the way not. I perceived ahead, that at all, actually. I, me no? neither. No, the okay. inclusion of the classic horror movie monsters was not, but go ahead. I mean, I, I mean it's a clear, like, Easter egg. Whoa. But I saw in, in this specific line of thinking of they hate torture porn. Oh, sure. And then they put on display a bunch of guys where it's like, these are kind of the guys that we like. Well, but I, in the impression mind. that I got from the, like, you know, the betting pool on the whiteboard and the menagerie of various slasher killers and whatnot, the point that I thought that was making was um, these things are all exactly the same. They are interchangeable in yes. this movie format because the movie is the same regardless. Yes, it doesn't. Uh, these, okay, these, yeah, yeah, yeah. these movie monsters, it's not that we like or don't like them specifically. Yeah, it's, it's that we're just putting a shiny paint of coat on the same story over and over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paint of coat. <laughs> I'll Thanks. fix that in yep. post. No, he did <laughs> that to me. <laughs> Noah did that the other day, like literally today, even, huh. I think. Uh, I don't remember. I probably um, did. Paint of coat. But yeah, no, I I think that um, I think that this probably the way that movies were going to go for horror probably the trend that we were going to find was going to be what it was anyway oh certainly and cabin in the woods was for lack of a better term a harbinger of that um because you know (sighs) i want to look at a like a list of movies that came out 
post post cabin in the woods and see if when the trend started because I don't feel like I've seen this like sickeningly self aware stuff until the past like five yeah. years, not the past like. Um. 10. So like uh, in the that's come from other in the structure too. of like the meta commentary we were talking about. Uh, we kind of got distracted talking about who we thought Joss Whedon's self insert character was. Oh yeah. I I think an awful lot of what sits at the middle of my anger at this movie is the the great old ones, you know. And how it the 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 common read that I see of this is that the old gods like represent the audience, and that if you stray mm-hmm. from the formula, then the audience will just eat you alive and your project dies and blah blah blah. And I really don't like that because I feel like people like more original movies, do they not? Granted, this is this is about the two thousand eight the two thousand nine like movie market. I wasn't paying attention at that time. Sure, what do you got? I I think I I think now that might be true yeah. but kind of like in 2011 this is right before the Avengers came out sure and right before the Marvel fucking schlock started to get um and those movies are still up until the Marvels making bank even though they are the same thing over and true. over again and Joss Whedon helped start true. that so <laughs> that's what we call ironic and it's until this is how it goes with with every kind of like genre in my in my mind mind anyway. We saw this with the teen dystopian genre oh, sure. as well. Is you just keep rolling it until the old gods are like, I don't like this anymore, and your project does bomb, and then we start over again and we have something new and fresh. Because that's how the movie ends. Is the project bombs, we start over. The, the consensus the main characters reaches, maybe the project and this metaphor needs to bomb. Maybe we just need to let these schlocky, overdone movies fail so that we can get something mm-hmm. new. You know, that's that's how I read the end anyway. And especially with kind of how I, I really hope things are going with Marvel, that we're finally going to like see yeah. this, this superhero genre either get good or die. Yeah. Well, and well, they're having to readjust a lot. Sorry to talk about Marvel stuff for <laughs> yeah. just a minute, if that's okay. <laughs> Their last few movies have been failing and TV shows haven't been performing well. So they were already like, oh, we need to like re-examine and we're going to slow down the release dates of things so that we can focus on everything like being really mm-hmm. good. But then also because of Jonathan Major's yep. conviction, they're like, okay, uh, Avengers 4 is no longer called the King stuff. Uh, we're doing something else. And <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really hoping that they redirect and slow down and start like actually putting out quality stuff rather than following like the formula that they've been doing for, for fucking ever. Or they mm-hmm. just are still bad and we don't get any <laughs> and super it fails. and it fails and we do not see Marvel movies for a couple decades i would also be okay with that i'd be really interested in seeing what genre takes over as the big blockbuster after superheroes i mean with the success of the new top gun and shit like that oh i don't know that reads to me as the like embers of a different genre that already died yeah yeah but also people like with that well, yeah, but you got that. You got Oppenheimer. You got Barbie. You got people kind of like looking for something that is familiar fun from like uh, of Barbie and, and of course, um, of course, and Top Gun, where people just want to have like 
an action movie again or a fun movie mm-hmm. again. And then you have mm-hmm. Oppenheimer where it like went really well and it was a very serious movie. Yeah. I think people are just kind of looking for a little bit more like Variety? substance Meaning. or at least yeah. at the very least like hands-on style. Mm-hmm. And mm. for all of the things that Marvel does well, it all looks like CG now because they've moved really heavily away from the real costuming. And I think yeah. as, like Matt Reeves, Batman has a lot of practical shit in there. And I really think that that helped Absolutely. It as well. Cause I love the movie. I thought it was very, yeah. very fun. And I think people are really liking how things like that, the, the feel of a movie that's more tactile and real mm-hmm. is a very appealing notion yeah. versus another guy in a green morph suit with his head out mm-hmm. again. No, that's yeah. super, super fair, because literally all I those could... movies you you listed, yeah, the practical effects were a big part of why people liked them. I could realistically see a rise of, like, 90s action movies, but more thoughtful and, like, a bit more subversive. I'd be into that. Because I think right um, now... I know it's my circles, right? My circles are like this, but people are more aware of shit right now and they are kind of want things that are also more aware. And I think that definitely sounds like something that would be a very like solid idea, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that it's really unfortunate that, and, and also maybe a good thing that we are seeing this trend towards wanting practical effects with the voice of the directors in them and animated movies that are more stylized and have a more like distinct flavor to them and a distinct style to them in this era where people, where AI is a big question because it's so ironic that the biggest movies this year are like Spider-Verse and fucking um, Barbie and Oppenheimer, which all had genuine artistic merit put behind them into the choices that were made for certain things, you know, um, down to like the, the web physics in fucking spider verse Mm. being like this big innovative thing or the like practical sets on the Barbie movie or the fucking explosions in Oppenheimer. And these are all things that humans decided to put genuine effort into making happen and look specifically the way that they look the same time that we're having these conversations about, Disney replacing background actors completely and using an AI sequence for the opening to the secret invasion show and an AI clock in the background of the Loki poster. Um, And I think that's why I kind of want Marvel to die is because I think they aren't going to slow down. I think they're going to get rid of humans because humans are the reason that John, like Jonathan majors is the reason that they're having to step back because he messed up and he made them have to change things but guess what doesn't fuck up and guess what doesn't take time machines and we're already seeing that that's what they prefer so i'm I'm, it's like they didn't even watch terminator rise of the machines (laughs) yeah so true you shouldn't by the way it's it's not good it's the beginning of the end of the terminator franchise it was already deep into the end of the terminator franchise (laughs) no rise of the machines is the third one oh is it I remember it already sucking, though. No, T2 is really well, good. Well, yeah, T2 is really good, but I remember the third one not being good. No, It's Arnold. not, but it's they do get worse. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, Noah, I'm sorry for cutting you off. You were right. 
About what? About the fucking Top Gun shit. Mm. Oh, yeah, that people love Top Gun. <laughs> people do love that. The yeah. people, people did love Top Gun. Twitter Brandon is the voice of the people, and Twitter, Twitter Brandon, Brandon loved Top yeah. Gun. Is right about this would. specific thing. Twitter Brandon's actually right about a lot of the reasons why he loves movies that I hate. Mm. Um, and he's also wrong about mo- Twitter Brandon wouldn't did he did not finish the D and D movie, and he said, "Have you all been like just doing an elaborate big joke at me? This movie sucked ass." And I'm fighting he's you, Twitter so Brandon. Because like of he's the so, what I liked about the D and D movie is that it doesn't rely on being a franchise movie to be good, and it does a lot of stuff that I wish more fantasy movies would do, Mm. which Baldur's Gate is also doing, which is just to have shit fucking happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know, like, the D&D movie just barely broke even, I think. Which is a shame. Maybe got, like, a little bit. But I'm praying that they do, like, more with it, because it was so much fun, and I think since it released... And since it like has left theaters, people I think it's a have like discovered hit. it more, mm-hmm. and people have really enjoyed it. I don't, and yeah. I feel like a sequel would be more successful financially, and I just hope that they do. I Even mean, I was a big hater when it was in theater. I was like, was. I don't think that there's a way that this movie is going to be good. I will not watch this movie. I was wrong. You know, uh, it was a good movie. Even if we don't get more of the D&D movie, I would love for us to see more fantasy, just mm. fun fantasy. Not yeah, this dark it's all dark fantasy and... as much. Let me tell you about my favorite anime, Free Realm. Oh. I'm going <laughs> to get to it. <laughs> see, this is the thing. All the fantasy lives in like shows now. In anime it's and never, shit. Not even animation necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's all shows now. It's not coming out as movies. Yeah. There's yeah, also right. Percy Jackson. Shadow and show. Bone. Yeah. Yeah. There's Percy Jackson. There is. I would uh the Willow TV show that they took off streaming, so I never even got a chance to watch oh. it. Yeah. Well, that's your fault for not watching it the first I'm week sorry. it dropped. Yeah. Um, God, how dare I? <laughs> Nina's uh old boss, unironically. <laughs> this man, I saw him today and he's like, Have you seen What If yet? And I didn't have the heart to tell him that I'm not watching any more Marvel. I fucking stuff. hate what a what if. As a series, I oh. hate it. Oh, you're when so valid. This is tell, tell this me why, is though. like a hot take because apparently everybody else loves it, and I don't, I don't understand. I think the animation style is hideous. Oh. I think the stories are super thin and completely mischaracterize the characters that they're portraying and i think it's just really fucking terrible and the scenarios that they decide to like investigate are stupid as shit they're like since this character didn't eat an apple in this movie suddenly there's a zombie outbreak and it's like what the fuck are you on about it's ridiculous yeah if i wanted that i'd just go to three right (laughs) yeah like read fanfic you losers i legitimately legitimately that's how i feel about what if it's like you know what else okay i'm gonna be real i talked to Noah about this this is so off topic and we can we can be done with this topic afterwards um i was on twitter today and people were talking about how with the secret invasion and secret wars being a plot there's a potential that we could get either a variant of t'challa or the baby T'Challa that we saw at the end of Black Panther 2, at, like, mm-hmm. aged up as our new Black Panther. I know we don't like Latita Wright because she's anti-vax. I get it. Why are we in such a huge rush to replace Chadwick with another man and also Latita with a man? W- p- replacing him with a variant fucking T'Challa is such an insult to Chadwick as a person. 
And then to age up this young character just to get rid of a woman Black Panther, regardless of what her actor did, because I know that's not entirely the point. It feels mm. so gross that they're immediately like, oh, my God, we have an excuse to replace a female character. Let's do it. <laughs> Average mm. Marvel fans. Well, but can't you Genuinely. think of the alternative? They'd have to write one. <laughs> <laughs> she was good in Black Panther, too. I really enjoyed her character. But um, do you all... Can I share my dream list of what they would do with Marvel <laughs> yeah. um, right now, just very sure. quickly? Sure. So this contains minor spoilers for something that was the end credit sequence for the Marvels. Oh, God, don't uh, even get me. Don't. Okay, but go off. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so the end credit sequence of the Marvels has Kamala Khan pulling a Nick Fury sitting in a dark room as um, Kate Bishop, who's like the new Hawkeye's apprentice, like walks in and she like turns around in the chair and is like, I'd like to talk to you, talk you into joining like the young Avengers or whatever. And I wish they would just do that. Stop <laughs> making fucking anything to do with all of the old Avengers and these like huge, mm. like plot lines they've been doing and just have, like kind of do what they were doing in the beginning where you have like five or six heroes and those are the only ones you're following and you get to the end of like their plot which for like the right. original people it would have been avengers endgame or whatever and mm -hmm. then you cut it and you start like new characters yeah. That's just what like the rather comics than, do. <laughs> yeah. rather than trying to like have the cinematic universe of like 30 characters where you see one character every 10 years um because that's how long it takes to do like the release schedule like it's ridiculous and it's it doesn't work yeah mm -hmm. well, so that's what i wish they would do i wish they i think it's too late for that because they would have had to actually do movies introducing the young avengers but instead they just kind of shoehorned in the young avengers characters into the avengers movies because yeah. they've been yeah. doing that since spider-man was introduced yeah. and ever since then they've been just adding young characters into the older characters movies and thinking that's good enough and i'm gonna care when they're in an ensemble movie i want an actual movie about these characters uh speaking yeah. of my my dream for what they should do with marvel is they should go back to uh <laughs> letting sam raimi make spider-man movies and that's it i don't like sam raimi well i but what about <laughs> Sam Raimi's Spider-Man? I say as if that makes it different. <laughs> they tried to bring Sam Raimi into the MCU, and it was... Well, yeah, but it didn't go well because terrible. they didn't let him make a Spider-Man movie. There's a very specific niche that he's good at. <laughs> so what, what about Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods. I was hoping somebody would have something Sorry. new um, to say about I was, Kevin. I was, I was writing, and I think Nina um, was waiting to I was. until I shut up. Uh, I was going to say we should do Noah's notes. There's oh, not many uh, Noah them. has uh, less than one page of notes. That's the issue. Oh, with wow. I hate having to watch a movie that I've seen so many times mm. because I just watch the movie. I'm not taking like thought to like computer notes anymore. There's no stream of consciousness notes. Mm. Um, there is... Uh, one page. Oh, I I devoted an entire note to the Blu-ray trailers, two Exorcism movies, uh, Cabin Fever, and My Bloody Valentine 3D. Now on Blu-ray, the one was a 
a Jewish exorcism movie? Oh yeah. Um, it was it was the Sam Raimi. Ah. Oh yeah, it was the Sam Raimi. <laughs> um I would be willing to give it a try because it looked like ass. But then the next movie that the trailer was for The Last Exorcism, oh. which was I like The Last yeah, I've Exorcism. Heard and the trailer looked like ass. So. Yeah, they they cut the trailer horribly, according to Noah. Also, Howard Better Call Saul is in it. Hey. Oh yeah, Howard Better Call Howard. Saul. Mm-hmm. I really want to rewatch Better Call Saul. I've been thinking about it a lot yeah. recently, so that was an immediately like I know that guy. Also, Cabin Fever. I want to talk about Cabin Fever for a sec because that was one of the trailers. Um, next time that we're like. Like we've had too many good movies. Let's watch a shitty one. We should watch Cabin Fever because that's that's my. You know how Emma's like movie that they're scared of is The Exorcist. Mm. Um, not anymore. But not yes. anymore. The movie. Well, I haven't watched all of it yet. But yeah, the movie that I have been scared of for no good fucking reason for forever is the Cabin Fever franchise. Something about it just icks me uh, out, and I. I don't even know. Yeah, what I don't that know is. enough about it to. Bunch of teens uh, in an Eli Roth movie go to a cabin in the woods and they all get sick and kill oh. each other. No, I think. they it's a flesh it's a flesh eating sorry, disease that makes your disease. your skin slough off. Oh, that sounds pleasant. You know, it, it's and an it's Eli Roth fun. movie. And so there's a introduction sequence to one of the movies that tracks the infection as it moves through a town's water supply and everyone in the fucking town comes into contact it's with the water. Too, I believe. Electric boob. And I'm like that. So now I've been through a pandemic. I think. I think. Maybe I can handle it better. But at the time, the concept of not knowing whether or not you were coming into contact with water that could make your skin melt off was uh, prevented me from ever wanting to see the franchise. Uh, I would yeah. like to I would like to tap in a friend of the podcast, Jackson, um, who's he knows people who work in water treatment and he's like, it's crazy to me that people think that water treatment would not immediately warn everyone as soon as that happened because they test water constantly all day long and find that type of stuff. Mm, mm, yeah. But what if you I go would, swimming? Oh shit, cabin <laughs> like, fever is free <laughs> water go, don't, to be right now. Maybe what is, I go cabin fever. Cabin fever. sometime. Who knows? And God the first one TV. has um, one of the characters from Boy Meets World. I've never seen that. Either. Yeah. Maybe I have to watch the that first. The guy who plays that Sean. I or? recognized him in the trailer. I was like, that's Sean from Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would be down to watch that sometime, though. Anyway, I know they're not highly regarded movies. Um, I just have been scared of them ever since I was in my reading, reading the Wikipedia <laughs> article summary phase oh, right. of my life. And I don't know what possessed me to watch parts of this specific franchise, but it was a bad oh. idea. Uh, Noah's Notes. Oh, Noah's Notes. Da -na 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 -na, it's Noah's Notes. Noah says, love this fucking title drop so much. Oh, it's uh, a good one. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Are you even listening to me? Screaming and big block text. <laughs> Very funny. Very funny. Very good. It's so funny because the directors were like, we really wanted this opening scene to be something where when people start watching it, they wonder, like, am I in the right movie? Yes. Yes. And it works. Like, something I constantly heard about of people, like, not being sure. Um, and my podcast or not my podcast my streamer friends mm. that i watched this with were like the opening title drop was the scariest <laughs> part of the movie yeah <laughs> it does take you by yeah. surprise yeah it does Absolutely. also i forgot to mention this earlier but i remembered it now um i 
my brother told me this because he saw this movie um, at midnight, like at a midnight screening, like when it first released. And he said this was happening around the country. Um, and I trust that he like knows what he's talking about um, and like heard that this happened elsewhere, but I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere else. But at the end of the movie, when Sigourney Weaver's like, we have eight minutes until the end of the world when like these creatures like will wake mm-hmm. up again. Um, eight minutes later, the theater lights came up um, as like the giant started like waking up and like crashing through and everything. And so like the apparently around the US at the midnight releases, like the theaters kept to that eight minute timer that Sigourney Weaver oh. mentioned. Um, and it was just a, a fun That's little thing. That's neat. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I love I love the the directors being like we wanted to make people question if they were in the right movie because I I have always loved as someone who didn't see it in the theaters um, and has never been like did I pick the right movie when I clicked on it on mm. streaming I just love how it doesn't hide the twist I love yeah. how it starts right away with mm-hmm. someone is engineering this because there's sometimes mm-hmm. where I think a twist like that would work but I don't think this movie would work if we didn't know the whole time yeah. Um, yeah. And we weren't seeing behind the scenes the whole yeah, time. Yeah, it, it so. shows us new information about what's happening at a really, really good pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much conversation went into... This is something I think about a lot with mm. writing and watching other people's work. Is this, is this something that you just... Because I do this with myself. Is this something that you just knew you were going to do when you went into this project? Or is this something you deliberated over and came to the conclusion that this would yeah. work best? Because like starting where I start with my books, I have never deliberated over where the story was going to start. I've just started writing and all th- all of them that I've ever written. I've just started writing and that has always been where the book starts. I have never taken it back further or pushed it forward further. Um, but then when it comes to like, how many point of view should I have? Should I put these scenes in a specific order? Sometimes I'm like, it's, it's only every once in a while, I'm like super debating over them. So I wonder if that was one of those things with these guys, if they ever had a version of this movie, even in conversation where it was like, do we let them know right away or not? Yeah. Uh, Noah says, Wild that this and Thor came out the same year. Great to see Chris in his last normal role before being eaten alive by the MCU. Ooh. So about that, I mentioned earlier the movie started getting made in like late 2008, literally in like December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After the movie got finished, mm-hmm. uh, Hemsworth had been in this and then based on him uh, being in this, got cast in Red Dawn. Yeah, I remember Red Dawn. And then based on him being in Red Dawn, he got cast for Thor. But both of these movies came out after Thor did because like MGM went bankrupt, so all their releases got pushed off. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these movies ended up getting a boost because, yeah, because oh my God, it's Chris yeah, Hemsworth. Yeah, suddenly from it was Thor. Hemsworth having his moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's but so But this funny. was actually like his first movie. Was it his first movie? And what the fuck? I knew it was yeah. early for him. And when they, specifically when they were filming the scene of him giving his speech before doing the bike jump, um, they were like, okay, yeah, this guy's going to be like a action <laughs> movie star. Which actually, it absolutely makes oh, sense. Because yeah. like, he's definitely epic action hero, like sure. in that speech and plays it really well. Mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth is fun. He is a fun actor. I enjoy when I see him in things. Um 
And seems I seems like a good dude. I like him in this movie. Uh, and I liked him in Thor at the time. I think it's also very funny that Tom Hiddleston originally uh, auditioned to be Thor as well. Mm-hmm. Too twinky. Yeah, wouldn't work. <laughs> 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 Noah has spoken. Tom Hiddleston, too twinky for Thor. Well, I mean, thank you for letting we'll us know. But okay, but okay, I'm not gonna. You get could it get this. muscle. Not on that guy. He's he too was... British. look at professional bodybuilders tell me how many englishmen you see none they can't do it jeff out here ignoring the uh, the tom Tom hardy has gotten real big for like various roles he's not a pro bodybuilder though so my hardy mentioned (laughs) i've performed no research and i've decided that i'm right so true so true noah says you know damn well which war is a great line (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. that one is maybe my favorite line in that whole interaction a war with some people in gray and some people in blue brother against brother perhaps brother (laughs) noah says the house is so huge on the inside yes the house is the tardis it's very well, I mean, obvious. Okay. I mean, Ooh, but that's they do it on purpose. They cut from the big inside to the little yeah. outside several times. Well, and times. that's kind of like directly referencing, you know, the, the cabin itself is so obviously directly referencing the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. And in the Evil Dead movies, that thing is also just looks a little bit bigger than it ought to be. There's one bit in Evil Dead 2 where uh, Bruce Campbell gets pushed through what, like 19 doors all at yeah, once. And so it's just many like, doors. Well, what are these things? <laughs> Another door. Boom. Another door. Boom. <laughs> we gotta cover Evil Dead too sometime. <laughs> we do. Noah says, "Hearing Chris's character get dumber and dumber as the movie goes on is great." I love yeah. the move- moment where he says, "Like the very logical, we need to all stick together." And Hadley's like, "Well, that's not gonna fucking work." And they have to do the most obvious change to someone in the whole movie and i love marty's reaction being just like really i i like how um when he gets drunk he's suddenly wearing a letterman jacket Mm -hmm. i love love that oh yeah (laughs) noah says i have to read this one because it's the most noah note ever fucking jose cuervo man fake ass tequila it's not even tequila it's a mixed dose it's not even tequila mixed dose is uh tequila is only made in uh, the tequila region oh, of Mexico. It's, no, 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 it's, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's only so many places in Mexico. No, 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 no. For real though, <laughs> by law, tequila can only be made in, I believe, Jalisco, Mexico, or uh, like regions within Jalisco. Mm-hmm. There's like certain regions that Weber Blue Agave can be cultivated and harvested um, that are approved for tequila. And then there's more areas that you can make a mezcal. There's a Yovan and a few other spots. But then there's other agave. Other agave. And that's from anywhere that it grows. And that is what Jose Cuervo is. It is, you'll note, good tequilas all say made with 100% blue agave. And Jose Cuervo says made with blue agave. Uh. Yep. Uh, So it is, it's, uh, it's extra stuff is added in there. Uh, because it's a mixed dose, they can add flavorant to I've it. I've heard that Cuervo uh, just has Jose a bunch Gold of like, comes from. grain alcohol in it. Is that true? Uh, I don't fucking know. That sounds like some Reddit shit. Okay. I don't know if it's 100% true okay. or not. Uh, but it is definitely like doctored up more than good tequilas mm-hmm. are. You sound real like 
snooty about your alcohol. That's here. fair. He doesn't I even like tequila, tequila though. So but like... there's laws about this shit. And same with whose like, laws? Whose laws? International trade laws that protect Mexico's primary export. See, that's. I don't know. Are you arguing with <laughs> that we have a local tequila? <laughs> We have a local tequila. I am. They call I it, am. Uh, I'm not going to say what it's called because it's the area code agave. Uh, right. And uh-huh. legally they can't call it tequila, but they go through all the steps and that's like their sales pitch for mm. it. Um, so, Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Head, they has a agave vodka. Oh. Uh, that's in the Black Skull. And that is also legally not tequila. Yeah, okay. Agave vodka. So here, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. But we're, I'm going to say it with champagne sure. um, instead. Where champagne, there's the whole thing of like, oh, yeah. if it's not made in like the champagne, the champagne region, region of, France. of France, then it's not real champagne. And it's just snooty or whatever. Ah. And I get like you're trying to like protect your like thing. You want to make money from your export. I get it. Um, But I'm like, if you take the ingredients and you make it somewhere else, I don't give a shit. Like, sure, that's... So here's the great thing. It tastes very similar. It's a different brand or whatever. I don't care. It's fine. So it actually is an in France issue as well, because they make other sparkling wines in France that are not allowed to be called champagne. So the... They are when people get snooty about it, what they uh, mean to say is is the definition between sparkling wine and champagne, because sparkling wine can be made in different ways, whereas champagne can only be made uh, with specific methods. It includes fermentation in bottle, rotating the bottles over the course of their lifetime to cultivate fine bubbles um, Within, so they're not like soda bubbles where the carbonation is very sharp and big bubbled. Fine bubble mm. champagnes are made by gently rotating the bottles over the course of the in-bottle fermentation, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's why you'll see method champenois, uh, which mm-hmm. is when you ferment in-bottle, turn bottle. Uh, so you're allowed to say it's made in the champagne ah. method, but because it is a like a trade law specific thing, it is they say that it's setting a standard. And other things can meet the standard, but you can never be the standard kind of situation. Yeah, but like for me, it's like a Dr. Pepper, Mr. Pibb situation. If you think you know, Dr. Pepper and Mr. Like, Pibb are practically the same thing. This, <laughs> no, but I'm like, they fulfill the same purpose. Sure. And I'm like, I don't care. Like it tastes very similar. If you don't have one, I'm fine with the other. But if somebody was like being really snooty about it and saying like, oh, you can't actually make Dr. Pepper anywhere else except Waco, Texas, because that's where it's originally from. And they have like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I would be like, shut up. I don't care. But Pib has um, that special process similarly, where they rotate the syrup bag to make the bubble smaller. <laughs> before they so, put true, in the so true, so <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. I'm fully sold out for like, trade protection law and shit like that now when i started to learn like the reason behind some of the processes where i'm like oh because uh corbell a california champagne brand is not allowed to export into the eu because they call it california champagne but since champagne Mm -hmm. is a protected designated trade term they can't call it that for um the eu and they're very stringent trade laws because 
they wanted to make sure every country had their uh, individual protected exports right, yeah. so that they would not a destroy monopoly each other. On their own you know? products. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that type of stuff, Miller High Life lost. I want to say someone tried to ship in Miller, uh, like several tons of Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, into um, because they call Holland, it the champagne maybe? of beers, and they destroyed it in the port. Because it is such a protected term. That so funny wow. to me. So IP so protections funny to are me. a big deal, and I get it. But I'm, I'm fully sold out when it comes to a the element of allowing everything else to exist, but you can't call it what I have because this is the thing. You can call it mm. like this, but you can't call it this because this is this. I am a he- yeah. always a huge fan of that stuff, especially when it comes to a matter of expectation setting yeah. quality. Yeah. See, like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with brand, like, recognition and branding and stuff and saying, like, you can't say this word because it's our word. But saying, like, oh, you can't, like, it's impossible to make champagne outside of Champagne, France. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> People with good faith arguments don't say that, for what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) This is my uninformed, I don't give a shit. (laughs) While it's technically true, you can't make champagne outside of Champagne, France. It's not because it's impossible to make bubbly wine. It's just because you're not allowed to call it champagne. (laughs) Okay. God, if, if... we were if this was an off the air episode, I would have faded out during the middle of one of my stupid monologues <laughs> by now. Uh, R.I.P. Dead podcast. So yeah. sad. Um, where what are we watching next week, y'all? <laughs> uh, it's looking like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Was that all not? the notes? Yeah, I have no other notes. There's like I okay. shit you not eighteen notes total. We're watching Tucker and Dale versus yeah. Evil. We're Tucker and Dale. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to compare it to this one a Tell little you. bit. It's a good pairing. Mm. It's also very fun. <coughs> Sorry. It is yeah. very fun. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Uh, we have been Casual Obsession. I've been one of your hosts, Nina. You can find me at Nina Wolverina on Twitter, on Blue Sky. You can find me on Tumblr at Nina Wolverina with the three where the E is supposed to be. I do a lot of art. I write books. Um, that's about all that I do. So if you don't like art or books... Definitely don't follow (laughs) me. Hi, this has been Casual Obsession. I'm Noah, one of your hosts. You can find me as Bubba to Bad, B-U-B-B-A-D-A-B-A-D on uh, all the socials that matter. And uh, also on Letterboxd. If you ever want to (laughs) know what my review is going to be about a movie... You can you can find me on Letterboxd and be like, oh, my God, they said next week they were going to watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but they meant two weeks from now. Firstly, first, shut up. I'm sorry. Shut up. (laughs) And then secondly, they're like, and Noah already gave it an eight. And it's like, yeah, I did. It's right there. You're probably by the time (laughs) this episode comes out, we've probably watched it by now. Noah, we're going to get in big trouble for you saying that this has been off the air because you can did only record off the air. Did I say it's been off, off the air? The air. <laughs> yeah, you did. Fuck. That's yeah, not what I meant to say. I was trying to riff on you. Can, uh, it's no. impossible to record off the air outside of the off the air yeah. discord. That's true. Fuck, man. I can't believe <laughs> wow. I did that. That's so sad. Yeah. Well, I'll um, be sure to tell the other boys yeah. about that. Don't in any that. case, I've been another one of your hosts, Jeff. You can find me on Tumblr. What is it you pray for? 
Uh, and I'm Emma, also known as Emma Panada. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at Emma Panada. I'm also writing a TTRPG called All the Witches. You can find information about that at allthewitches underscore on twitter.com. That'll be releasing in the next few months, uh, which is really exciting and also terrifying. Um, I'm sure my brother, who is a antitrust lawyer and knows a lot about Uh-oh. alcohol and various other things, is going to message me a bunch about what has been said in the past Why 10 minutes. Why can't you trust anybody, Dan? Uh, That's so sad. That's so sad. <laughs> but not just that you can't, uh, <laughs> that you're opposed to it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.